heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It is finally September 1, which means we are so close to football season. And today is the AF... We're going to look in a deep dive into the AFC and more specifically, the AFC East. But I couldn't do that alone. I had to go out and get two guys who I know love this division. So it's not just me here today. Big Rat 310 is back. Phil, Phil, Nightmare 10 once again is back on the pod. How are we feeling today, boys? September 1st. We can taste football now. I'm stoked. Like, it's, it's like it, it took a while to get used to the fact that it's coming up. Because, like, as we've talked about before, preseason was like a ramp up for us fans. Where, like, we see it little by little and, like, get to appreciate it. This is kind of just like, it's like, oh, wow. Like, it's like next week. It's just like it, it hits you kind of all at once. And yeah, it's like funny. no one really cares about the preseason in a sense outside of, like, if you really analyze our teams like we do. But, like, not having the preseason kind of really shows how much, like, you did actually did pay attention. Like, yeah, you didn't care about the outcome, or, but you did like to watch because then it felt like football was back. So it's going to just, like, hit us like a brick when it comes because it's like Thursday, oh, we got the Chiefs game because there's no lead-in, no games. No, I mean, you're barely seeing any practice, a little bit, little clips here and there. So even, like, I found myself, I'll see one throw from Cam or, or one, one play on the Patriots, and it's exciting me just because you don't get, like, it's the only information I have. So, you know, based on last off of last season, but you know Big Rat and, and Griff as well. Things change dramatic, dramatic, dramatically. I can't say the word. Apparently. Dramatically, I guess is the word I'm trying to say. Over the course of one season to the next, so and preseason a lot usually kind of gives you a little bit of a head to that as well. So it's it's crazy, but it, it is crazy. But it's, and the same thing too. I feel like I agree. You either see like a quick video clip, or it's just like a simple like set of tweets from like a beat writer saying like, "Oh hey, uh, this person looked good in practice today," or "This person did this," or like. These defensive players had a few interceptions and then, like, stuff like that. Like, even to, uh, it's just, come next week, you're going to really see who's been putting in the work all training camp versus those guys who may have taken their foot off the gas a bit. And we do have a couple, well, not a couple of those situations, but we got some uh, free agents we'll talk about, we'll get into in a bit. But uh, on one note, uh, Kansas City actually did get their rings tonight. I don't know if you guys had the chance to see or look at them yet. Yeah, I just watched that, yeah. Yeah. They look okay. That's just my only flaw with them is I wish the world champions was in silver, too. Like, you know how Phil and I can talk from experience how the Patriots rings, it's all one color? <laughs> minus the logo? That's such my... a low blow, Griff. Yeah. That was such a low blow to Big Red. Your fan base just wins so many Super Bowls that you have this, like, great knowledge that I would have. I know, like, the one thing I do have to say that I love, though, is that next, because on the inside of the ring, they put who they played and then score. But in brackets underneath the score, they put how much they were down to by that team. So there's a 24 under Houston and a 10 and a 10 under Tennessee and San Francisco. And I'm like, oh, God, I love it when they troll like that. Like how when the Super Bowl 51 rings had 283 diamonds. Yeah. Just stuff like I mean, that. Uh, I mean, my only problem with the ring is it's got the wrong team on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. nah, Mahomes is a beast. I can, you know. Yeah. But I, we we talked ad nauseum about what happened with him yeah. and that team. But um, uh, 
we, we I might as well get right into it. Uh, talk about our divisions, guys. Uh, I've said this again and again to both of you. Man, it's a Pandora's box here for, I would say, who's ultimately who is going to win the division. Like, I think you guys still agree with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually, I mean, we'll get into this. I'm kind of lower on the Dolphins ceiling than I think I was. I mean, I was kind of negative on them generally, but, like, I especially, like, have a hard time seeing them winning this division. Uh, but I definitely agree with, with all the other teams. Like, I just think the Patriots and the Bills, like, the presumptive favorites, they both they both just also have low floors. Like, they both could go less than 8-8, eight eight, theoretically. So that's what makes it fun and exciting for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm honestly not – I'm not expecting anything from the Jets. I'm just <laughs> call me a hater. I just don't think the Jets are going to do anything, and Danny's going to hate me say, for saying that. But uh, prove me wrong. That's all I can say. But uh, I mean, obviously, the Dolphins are probably still going to finish last in the division. But um, unless two is just that good, I mean, it could happen. I mean, he he did at one point look that way. So, um, but as we know, Big Red knows and, and has talked multiple times. Quarterback's not everything, so they got to have other uh, elements to be able to do it. But it's it, it is a the most interesting year in the AFC East for quite some time, and uh, I will say that because you still, even though you got Belichick, you still got to, you know, you got to, got to perform and 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 uh, and see what how it goes. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I, I think this could be a year, you know, you, you just you get a lot of um, I don't know what I, how I was going to say this, but like a lot of like maybe like closer games than normal between the division. I mean, you, you get that anyway, no matter who how good the teams are. But I think you might get that a little more this year. And uh, that's why, honestly, I love the fact that week one we're going to see the Jets play the Bills and the Patriots play the Dolphins. Is just no, I'm just saying that because, like, look in this in, a, in this weird year, not only for whatever else is going on, but for the fact too that the AFC East for the first time in gosh, probably 15 plus years is unpredictable, minus the year Brady towards ACL. So let's say, yeah, for the first time in 12 years, the AFC East is unpredictable. The fact that we get two division matchups week one. Each team, even though they're going to be different from last year, right away they're going to know how to feel each other out. So it may not take as long as, say, like Cincinnati's playing L.A., which those are two teams that never play each other. The two teams that play each other all the time, I could also see either game going to either team. Like I could see like Miami beating New England, New England beats Miami, Buffalo beats New York, or New York beats Buffalo. Because if we look back to last year's Week 1 opener, the Jets had a 16-0 lead on the Bills for the longest time in that game. And then the Bills ultimately came back and won it. Well, I think so, too. Week one, and and you guys would agree with this, too. Like, if we look back at week one, my memory doesn't work as well as your always probably does. But week one of last season, I can guarantee you some things happen in week one that you're like, well, why, how did that team get a win? So I think that can happen. And also, the AFC East is, like I said, going to be, should be anyways. If they're not, then that's on them. But I think the Dolphins are going to be more inclined to try to beat the Patriots because they like, you know, this is our chance we could start off, you know, start off strong and uh, and prove something, you know, uh, against the Pats in week one. And I think same thing with the Jets and the Bills. You know, the Bills made the playoffs. Jets can prove that they're better than them. You know, so there's a lot a lot in those two games, like you said. And I think uh, – but I, at the same time, I, like I, as I'm adding to my point, I don't think you should write into a lot of that either because I think the Dolphins could beat us, and I wouldn't be shocked that they beat us. But I don't think that means anything for the Dolphins. Does that make sense? Like, not knocking on your Dolphins, but I think a win wouldn't really mean, oh, the Dolphins are here. It's just week one. Like, it, you know, we got to see what, you know, and especially no preseason, that could just affect, you know, a lot of teams. And I know, obviously, people think that the Pats with Belichick would be the most prepared. But, you know, sometimes other teams are able to just use their, their athletics 
uh, and, and the talents that they have in week one, and then they falter because they don't have the coaching to, to hold it up later in the year. But uh, And the Dolphins have actually done that recently. <laughs> they kind of had on a little run, and then just, oh, we're, oh, yeah, we suck, my bad. Let's step back, you know. <laughs> like, the Bills have done the same thing, too, so. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, in 2016, the Falcons, the team that went to the Super Bowl and aforementioned Super Bowl 51, in week one, they lost at home to the Bucks, And, you know, at the time, people, like, read a lot into that. Like, oh, the Bucks are on the rise, Jameis' second year, the Falcons are kind of stagnating under Quinn and that. And then that team ended up going to the Super Bowl. And the Bucks like, didn't even make the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, that just goes to show that that's the example that most – and that was also a division game. So that's one that most immediately comes to mind of a result that just wasn't at all predictive of what happens next. It's – uh, I said hot takes when uh, when when Griff talked about this because it's just like like Phil said like I just feel like all the because there's so much uncertainty everyone's going to kind of create a hierarchy after week one and it's going like people are going to you know get a little emotional. Um, now last year did tell us something. It did kind of tell us hey the Bills can beat them on the road. The Bills might actually be the better team this year even though they both kind of have shaky quarterback situations and that ended up happening of course. So yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm pumped. I'm excited for, for, for those two games. Um, I actually do have another quick example of, because you reminded me of Tampa. I remember two years ago, week one, uh, the Bucks went into the Superdome and beat the Saints, and, and like Fitzpatrick put up 48 on them, and then everyone right away was looking into it as, oh, Fitzmagic is here. Well, it's being the double he's your quarterback. But just something, like, just little things like that. Like There's all these weird week one wins where you're like, oh, how did this happen? But then the team like loses a few straight. Like I think it happened a few years, too, with the, uh, what was it? Frank Wright's first year, I think the Colts went 0-2, and, and then they just went on this miraculous run, and then they made, ended up making it to the uh, divisional round of the playoffs versus Kansas City. So, like, even though it's you, every win or every game does matter in the NFL, if you lose, win or lose week one, it doesn't dictate your season, unless, like, last year, for example, which this may be a little bit of a low blow to big rap, but, like, when the Dolphins lost to the, <laughs> Dolphins lost to the Ravens. Um, but the one thing I actually did find out today from Peter King is that the Dolphins had a better record since how, like from Halloween to the end of the season than the Patriots did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. They they went they went five and four in their last nine games. Uh, yeah, they did. They played better over the course of the year. Uh, but I just think I just think like I mean not to go incessantly about the Dolphins, but it's just like like they have they have a lot of turnover from last year. Like that's what I don't think people realize. Like they changed OCs, they changed DCs. They changed over pretty much the entire defensive starting lineup. Like half half of the defense is brand new starters now. It's just they, there's a lot of change. This is not the same team at all. Like they're going to be better cuz can't be much worse than they were last year, but it's not like they can carry that momentum down the stretch into this year because everything is just so different. And uh, too, didn't um Daniel Kilgore retire as well? Yeah, well, the Dolphins. The Dolphins didn't want to. The Dolphins didn't want to bring him back. Okay. Uh, instead, instead they signed Ted Karras from your Patriots, uh, who's currently going to be the Week One starter, uh, which I'm not super thrilled about, but it, it is what it is. And I think Kilgore now, I think, plays for the Chiefs. Okay. He was going to retire, but then the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs talked him out of it. I'm going to look into yeah. that. You guys can talk about something. I'm going to look quickly into that Kilgore signing. I just thought he retired for a second. Yeah, um, another thing too, I was going to say too is like you all, you, you are the better. The better end, the better side of the things I cannot talk tonight. But anyways, the better side of things that you want to be on is you'll take that first week one L if it means in the end you're better. Like so, I think there's and I think you know like the Dolphins, yeah, they win week one against the Pats, but if the Pats are, are are rolling by the end of the year, then no one cares about week one anymore. So I think that's a big thing, uh, not in our division, but I think one of the big games that people I think are going to overhype is Bucks uh, and uh, Saints week one. 
It's got to think. It's just there's a lot going on in that game. That is going to be a huge game. I'm not taking that away from that. But in the grand scheme of things, it may not be as big as it really is. And I think uh, the Bucks would actually probably benefit more out of losing. I know people are going to be like, whoa, 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 what does that mean? But I think the, the Saints winning that game, the Saints are supposed to win. They should win. And so the Bucks coming in and winning would just put too much hype on them. And then, you know, like Big Red said, people would be crowning him Super Bowl champions after week one. So I think that's a good example of not saying that a, a win against the Saints wouldn't be big, but I just think, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think that um, you you – like, one thing I learned, like, uh, something, because I think some people know, I did debate in college, and, like, one thing they, the coach always taught us was the people who win around get the benefit of, like, winning and advancing, and the people who lose get the ability to find out their mistakes faster and fix yep. them faster. Yep. Yep. So, like, when you, because it's just human nature. Like, yeah, the Bucks are going to make mistakes either way, and if they win, in theory, they could still work on them. But it's just, like, you don't focus on them the same way than if you're coming off a loss. And it's, like, it gives you an opportunity to really more thoroughly investigate your errors in order to be right. better. And I think a perfect example, and this is a more than a week one kind of scenario, but it goes on in part of this, the Patriots' defense last year. Like, they were really, really good, but they hadn't gotten a true test until it was almost, like, late in the season, so it's almost, not that they couldn't adjust because they adjusted as much as they could, but it's like, if had they gotten that test early in the season, the hype wouldn't have been around them, and then maybe they actually could have made that run better in the end, you know, or, the, you know, you know, if we had offense worth a damn, but <laughs> so I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe, maybe don't give up a game-winning touchdown drive to Ryan Fitzpatrick to cost <laughs> to buy. Right, so, <laughs> but, um. But no, and that's the case. I mean, you get down the game, you're gonna, you're going. That's what I guess my point go, does go along with that with the week one versus playing the Dolphins and and uh, was last week this season, wasn't it? Last week, right? Week seventeen. Yeah. That game doesn't. That is the only Dolphins game they ha- like. They're of course going to play their hearts out. They're gonna of course it's their last game of the season guaranteed, and of course to stop the Patriots from getting a bye, which I think in the end probably costs us a playoff win. Um, I mean, I think you get an extra rep. Like, we were one of those teams that probably actually needed it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, not that I think we win the Super Bowl, but, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, you know, I mean, but the Dolphins, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, these later games are going to be important. So, you need to learn what you can from those first games, win or lose, but you need to get it get in, in order quick because uh, the later later in the season, you know, at that point, you know, <laughs> it's, it's do or die. Yeah, exactly, Phil. You nailed it on the head, just like how, like, it's – like the game is week 17, but also too, for the fact that this division, I'm going to say this too, like where I would have to say for Florida, I was going to say for a lot of people that don't know the schedule off by heart, there is a week 16 Monday night football matchup. It's the Patriots and the Bills, which like last year was Vikings and Packers in that position. I straight up think whoever wins that week 16 game is winning the division. But you're right too in the sense as well where the Patriots weren't tested early on like this year. They Miami week one, but then week two, boom, out to Seattle, and then week four in Kansas City, and then week uh, week, no, you, week seven. But the Raiders first, don't we? With Raiders so week three, but I, like the Raiders, I don't know how much of a te- that's at home. I'm just saying though, like the teams right. that are oh, they're going to be tested against, the, like not even on the road, but the teams that are going to be tested against, not not knocking on the Raiders or anything. I'm just saying that there's teams better, like they play the Seahawks. The Chiefs and then the 49ers within the first eight weeks of the season. So like, those are three true tests off the hop that they're going to have to deal with. Right, right. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's you know, you can talk about it over and over again, but it's yeah. just, you know, those week one matchups, 
the biggest thing, Monday morning quarterback, everybody wants to be Monday, you know, the next, the Monday after each week, everybody thinks that they've, they've figured it out. And I think it, it still takes, um, you know, a while to go, which is why I've always, different. now this year will be a little bit different because it's a different, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different aspects to it. But it's when the Patriots were like, were they, I can't believe, I think they were one and two or when they lost to the Lions or they were one and three. They, weren't they were one and two. They were one and two. And everybody was all, the Patriots suck, we told you they suck. And I'm like, or they're getting tested early, and we're going to figure it out. And what happened? They figured it out and got down and did a lot better than they should have. So, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm just using that example. I'm just saying, like, don't panic. It's like you want, the, you want, you want it to happen early instead of happening it later. So I guess is the point I'm still driving home is you want that those problems to happen early. Even though, yeah, it sucks because you've got everybody else that doesn't know football screaming, oh, the pass are done or your team's done or, you know, whatever. But you know, deep down, we're gonna figure it out, and we'll get it, you know, or we won't, <laughs> you know, the same way. But still, exactly. Um, I just want to go around the room quickly, and just because obviously the two teams that like we don't pay too much attention to, we'll get into the Bills in a minute, just for record, so we can go over before we go over the rest of the conference, we can do just the quick AFC record wise. What do you guys think the ceiling is for the Jets? Like, how many wins? Like, do you think is like what's best case and what's worst case for them? I, and, like, I what do you think? Because uh, I've, I've made a similar argument on this thing before. It's not that I it's not that I trust them or anything. It's just that I'm not as low on their median expectation as most people are cuz I think that they can win between I think they it is in their ceiling. It is in their range of outcomes to go 9 and 7, 10 and 6. That does not mean I think it's going to happen a large percentage of the time. Of course, we're talking ceilings here, not most likely outcomes. But I just think I think the vitriol on them is a little too harsh. Like statistically over the second half of the season last year, they were a top 15 offense in the league. It's not like they were incapable of scoring all year long. Like a lot of that was against bad teams, but it's like, you know, like that's, that's part of the NFL. I think, I just don't think that's too much of an ask because I think like, like the, an Adam Gase coach team in 2016 went 10 and six. That was not that long ago. Like, why do people think it's so impossible? That was literally four years ago, three years ago. Like it can happen. It'll, I know it, it'll happen like in, in a very obnoxious way. They'll beat the bad teams. They'll beat the good teams at home by, like, three points, and then they'll get crushed on the road against good teams, like, lose by three touchdowns. Like, that kind of a, like, squeak, win close, lose big kind of way. Like, one of those teams that makes the play, like, the 2017 Bills, that makes the playoffs nine, at 9-7, nine and seven, but with, like, a negative point differential, and you don't really trust them as, like, any sort of threat. But I do think that's in the range of outcomes because – I think it's – is it really that inconceivable that Darnold is, like, the second-best quarterback in this division by December? I don't think that's impossible. Like, I really don't. Like, I just don't think that highly of Josh Allen. So, when you have the second-best quarterback in the division, it gives you a chance. I think that's their ceiling. I think most likely they go, like, 7-9 and nine like they did last year. But I do think that, that they had a top-10 defense last year. I know they lost Jamal Adams. I don't think losing C.J. Mosley is that big of a deal. They had a top-10 defense without him anyways. So even with losing Adams, it's just I saw a report that like Marcus May is now going to play in the box more, and they actually think that suits his skill set better, being that like box safety that Jamal Adams was rather than being the backline safety. And then they had McDougal playing that role out back, kind of mixing and matching those roles. I just think I think their defense, if their defense is a top ten defense and the offense is like a top twenty offense, it's like that that you could squeak by enough to go ten and six. So I do think that's their ceiling. Even though I think more often than not they'll be a bad offense and a mediocre defense, they'll go something tonight. Um, I do yeah. agree with you. I just wanted to look on a quick set, just a quick second here, just to make sure I'm uh, about something. 
Uh, yeah, just, I just wanted to double check that Greg Williams was still the uh, DC in New York, which he is. But you know what, the fact, and also too, I, the first thing I literally searched his name was Jamal Adams, so you knew there was issues there. But then I feel like you're going to see Greg Williams have a little bit of fun with this defense where, and also too, I couldn't agree with you more about the Jets where, look, it's like every game against the Patriots for like the last I, conceivable future I remember where it's either they win by three, they win by six, or they get their ass kicked by 30. There's no in between with those two teams, and yeah, like that's like all. I feel like all AFC East football when the two teams play each other, it's either a very close game, or someone's getting their asses whooped. But um, no, you're right. Like where they, he can kind of like work with McDougal. He kind of do that. He's got even though Jamal Adams obviously all pro player, he doesn't have to worry about dealing with like a superstar ego. He's just got a bunch of guys who want to be there and play. And you're right too about Mosley where. For a lot of the time last year, Mosley was injured. Like that's something I think a lot really went unnoticed because I remember like shitting a brick when I found out Mosley was going to the Jets because I was just like, "Fuck this guy, former Bama boy, <laughs> get to the quarterback." I was a little shaky, but then when he was like when he was out and everything, it's kind of like it's a burden lifted off your shoulders. But then now he unfortunately he did opt out like many other players did due to COVID. But yeah, I do agree with you. I. Do have to say, I think they could, hey, for all we know, the Jets could come out and just ball, and Sam Darnold could have a great year considering he is going into a potential contract year. He's young, too. He's only like yeah. 21, 22, something crazy. Exactly. And he and I do think those 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine is the realistic expectation. That's what I'll go for if I they finish. But a question I have for the both of you is, is 7-9 and nine enough to keep Adam Gase in New York? No. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. I think 7, I mean... Like, like Big Red said, that ceiling is what they're looking for. Every NFL team is looking for that ceiling. You know, you, you get maybe two years to figure it out, maybe a little longer. But, uh, yeah, I think the Jets, I mean, they have the talent. Um, I think the key this year will be the, that offensive line, and they have to get Bell. Bell has to have a better year. Like, he just has to. Like, I was just looking through the schedule last year, just kind of, uh, you know, remembering, you know, what all they did and stuff like that. And I'm looking at, like, Bell, like, never having a 100-yard game. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he did at some point, but I was just—I don't know what else. I just looked down their highest rusher is like spell with sixty something yards. I'm like, what? Like, no. I was like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Like, so yeah. I, I will say, like, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, but I, no, I will. Good. Like, in order for my ceiling argument to come true, he does have to play better. He has to be used better. And let them, I'll just say this: like the Frank Gore thing, I would not laugh at that because. I know he didn't look good with the Bills last year. The year before, in 2018, he averaged 4.7 yards per carry in Gase's scheme. For whatever reason, I just think he fits that really well. And even though he was really, like, he was dust, you know, in, in Indianapolis, and he was dust last year with the Bills, I would not be surprised if, like, he on first or second down can get you, like, five yards a carry and just, like, gets you, like, is a pretty solid back and, like, looks better than people think. I'm just throwing that out there because I think he fits well. Uh, That's a good point because I think a lot of people forget that, like when a running back does well in a, in a in a good offense and then leaves and then does crappy, but then he's going back to that same offense. They forget about that. They just remember the crappiness. So that's a good point, Big Red. That is good, and and I think that that could also help Bell. So I mean, as much as I was hating on the Jets earlier in the, earlier when we first started, I will say that I agree with Big Red. The ceiling is, you know, I could I wouldn't be shocked if they finished ten and six, ten and six because I honestly expect the Bills to underachieve way more than. Than anybody thinks, because I just think that's the Bills' way to do things. Um, so I think the Jets overachieving wouldn't necessarily shock me. So I think yeah, seven and nine, but their ceiling could definitely be ten and six. I've seen the you know their schedule is not exactly the hardest. Their schedule is mainly going to be depending on some of those teams at the end 
what are their seasons looking like? They play the Rams late in the year, they play the Browns, and then they have us in the, in, in the end. So, I mean, I think those are teams that, like, you know, maybe those teams are scrubs at that point, and they, they, they need to just, just need a couple wins to get in the playoffs. So, um, I think they're, they're on that, like I said, you know, most likely probably 7-9, but they could be 9-7, 10-6 out of, you know, if the Bills also slip, I think that's also a key to it, too. And there's an extra playoff spot. Don't forget that this year. And also, it's not like they can't do much better than Like, I think we all agree. Oh, no, right, no, right. That's no, they can't go, even 11-5, no, that's not happening. Now, um, the one thing I did want to point out, though, I just looked at their early schedule. They have the Bills week one, but then week two they have the Niners coming to town, and then they go to Indianapolis week three. So a couple early tests to see what this football team has, is made of. But then even to save the Niners, like I don't expect them to win that game, but they go out there making competitive. They're going to be a story where people are going to kind of be like, hey, uh, this Jets team, like they have nothing to prove. So they literally they can have the shock the world mentality all year long. Like. And I think, too, if the Jets start strong early, they were trashed early last year. So, <laughs> if they start good early this year, that's already a good – it's already a different start. So, Yeah. I will say, though, a big part of it, I do think, is the fact that they did blow that week one game against the, the Bills. The fact that they were up big and then they let they kind of took their foot off the gas and then the Bills came back. Spoke volumes on how their season went. Um, just want to move on quickly. I'm going to let Big Rat take over because – I think it's time we talk a little 305, a little Miami Dolphins. I just want to say, I don't want to do, like, you can do ceiling if you want to. I want to know what your expectations are for this season. I think they're going to, I think they're going to have the same record as last year, but be a better team. Uh, so I said this the first time I came on with you. Last year's team was horrible. I know they went 5-11, and and because they beat the Patriots the way they did, and look, I'm not taking that away from them, rightfully. Like, they're viewed as like this, up-and-coming, like, really energetic, beautiful success story. They were a horrible, horrible football team. I believe Football Outsiders had them as the worst team of the past 10 years. I mean, the fourth worst. The fourth worst team of the past 10 years. Even though they went 5-11. and 11, Because it's just like, like, one of those games they won, they were up 35-12 to 12 against the Bengals at home. They blew... They blew this 23-point lead in the matter of five minutes. They allowed two touchdowns in under a minute to the Bengals, the worst team in the league. If that game was in Cincinnati, Cincinnati would have won. And, like, like here's the, like, for all the success that the Dolphins got, if the Dolphins, the Dolphins won that game on a field goal at the last second of overtime, if they lose that game in overtime and the Patriots' defense shuts them down the next week, the Dolphins would have had the first pick in the draft. Like, that's how close they were to being the worst team in the league last year. Those very narrow margins, which requires winning a game in overtime and your elite Patriots defense not blowing, or, or, or Brady not throwing a pick six in Gillette. Like, you know, little things like that is what separated them from the first overall pick. So, I just think they were very bad last year, and I just think, kind of like what me and Griffith said before, it's hard to go from, like, bad to great, like, quickly like it just takes time especially since there's not they don't have a lot of continuity they're completely changing the offense they're changing the entire starting lineup of the defense like almost the entire starting lineup is going to be different with the exception of with the exception of just jerome baker and eric rowe really like bobby mccain didn't play the second half of last year xavier howard barely played last year they just traded raekwon mcmillan they trade they cut all of their edge rushers from last year they thought they all sucked and literally cut all of them or or they're still on the team but are not going to play like, Vince Beagle, like, led the team in sacks last year, and then he tore his Achilles. It's just, like, it's just a completely different team. And I just think that they're 
quarterback situation, I, I'm I'm a very big to a fan. I really wanted them to take him. I loved them coming out. Like I'm a huge fan of his. I just think a good rule of thumb is bet on rookie quarterbacks to struggle. Not everyone is Kyler Murray. Like it's just the it's the exception rather than the rule. More often than not, rookie quarterbacks are not that good. Like Wentz was not good as a rookie. Jared Goff was not good as a rookie. Mahomes didn't even play as a rookie. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky was. Eh, I mean, he's eh generally, but. I just think, and, and to that point, before you finish that, the good people that the people that did do well, Winston and Mariota, look where they're at now. <laughs> so can't weigh a lot on that, even if they do have a good seat for rookie season. So I, I think so. Like m- most people seem to think, like okay, Fitz like will crash back to earth, and then Tua will take over, and then we'll see how they do with Tua. It's just I just think in the COVID off season with no OTAs, with no preseason games, I think this is the year where you especially don't predict rookie quarterbacks to lead teams to like a ten and six record. I just think I think it's unlikely generally. I think it's especially unlikely this year. So I I kind of have them finishing five and eleven, the defense playing better, but them still kind of figuring themselves out. And then I expect them to rebound more in, in twenty twenty one. So do you start? If it's up to you, not what you think they're going to do. Well, you can say both if you want, but. Would you start Fitz week one, or would you start Tua? I would I would start Fitz. I think at Belichick is fucking... Like what, what, yeah, don't give Tua that. I agree, exactly. I, 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 it's, not, it's not just the win-loss records, either. I've seen like the num- like Belichick against rookie quarterbacks in Gillette. It's like a bloodbath. Like He just absolutely destroys them. So, no, I'd, I'd much rather give him time to get adjusted. I personally, because th- there's, some, there's some speculation that Fitz might not play week one. Uh, because uh, yeah, because unfortunately his mother just passed away, and if he doesn't, I, I I would rather just throw Rosen in there as like a sacrificial lamb. Like, sorry, Josh, here, like we, we really don't want to play two in this game. And also, week three, week three, they play the Jaguars on the road on Thursday night football. That's also not a really conducive first start for a rookie. Week two, they play the bit there at home, but they play the Bills defense. I would just I would wait until October. Well, there's like, no I, rush too. I mean, this is your franchise on the line, like. Yeah, and, and there's See, no expectations. It's yeah, there's like, literally none. Like, it's not like you're not expecting to make the playoffs, so therefore you're expecting to get a high pick. So throwing two out there week one, when and, you're not going to get make the playoffs anyway, like... No, yeah, I mean, with, with yeah, Stephon Gilmore like, and... It'd be and, a very dolphin thing to do. Like, don't do that. Like, if you want to be different, you need to you need to stick with Fitz. And then, like, maybe, like, okay, yeah. I don't know. I would say maybe, like, you know, once your season's is technically already over. Then throw in Tua so he can get some reps. The games mean nothing. He can get he maybe even can get a spark and have like a three four game win streak. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is a good example. The Niners did that. So it's like you know that that could be a very good thing for Tua. I think. You know? I, I could I could see them kind of like kind of like what they did last year, but actually being a better team. I could see them like starting out like zero and seven, making a little December run. You know, and then kind of finishing the year in a very similar place to where they already were. I hope I'm wrong. I just maybe the defense is going to magically just be really good in one off season. It just seems unlikely. Like there's camp reports. The camp reports right now have the defense destroying the offense in scrimmage. That to me just says a lot more about how bad the offense is right now than it does on than it does on the defense. I just I I just have a hard time trusting it. Like I understand that like some of these players like Flores like a lot of these guys they bring in players that know the system like he did the Patriots thing he brought in Kyle Van Noy he brought in Landon Roberts but Landon Roberts going to start by the way like that's why they traded Raekwon McMillan unbelievably I, I'm stunned but Kyle Van Noy and Landon Roberts and all the practice squad guys from the Patriots like I think Nate Brooks that he like brought in at the end of last year and I believe Kamu Grieger Hill came from New England too like it's just 
you would the, the the argument would be they're his guys, so they can adjust better than other free agents could. But there's still too much turnover everywhere else. With they they're bringing in Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, and Byron Jones, and all three of those guys are playing big roles. Those are your two starting edge rushers and your starting cornerback. Like they're not from Florida's system. They're they don't have that familiarity. So why would they just all of a sudden seamlessly fit in with no problem with only 14 training camp practices? I just I have a hard time seeing it. No, I, no, that's a good – and I think I think the key, too, is from what I'm talking about with the quarterback situation, at least, is that you have teams that know they're not going to win now or teams that know that they only have – their only, they're only choices to win now. Like, you can – maybe that's not the best way of wording it, but I think the organizations – like, you you see, like, like if the Browns would just slowly build their team, no, the Browns always seem to just let's throw everything out there and then, oh, it doesn't work. Well, of course you didn't piece it all together. But then you see the Rams, and I know the Rams fell kind of fell off, but the Rams did that. The Rams slowly built that team to being a contender. Now, it didn't stay a contender very long, but maybe they're just having a rough couple of years. I don't know. But, like, that's what I loved. Like, I mean, obviously, you could say McVay got a little exposed as well, too. But, but yeah, I think that those teams, like, it, I would much rather see a team build to that and get to chance at it. And if... I think we lost. Oh, are we good? He's back. He's back now. Okay, okay. all right. I froze for a second. Black on me. Okay. But yeah, like I just, I'm just, I think it's a, you can tell a team's mentality is what I'm getting at, I guess. Yeah, I got you. No, no, I well, got, I, I got you too. Um, and that's what I'm saying. With I, th- I think if you start if two starts week one, you can tell the Dolphins are just trying to like hope for a prayer and they're not caring about their future, which have done in the past. But I don't, I don't think the Dolphins would do that with two. I just can't imagine they would do that. Uh, too no, big of. Neither do I. Um, the one thing I do like though is the fact that. The Dolphins, I looked at their schedule, too, because like, I was going to mention the Jacksonville game, but then also, too, how they have Seattle and San Francisco right away. Like, kind of a couple just, like, early tests. Not to see, like, like it's like the same thing, too, like I was saying with the Jets. Like, if I had to pick the opponents on, so, sorry, Big Rap, but I'd probably pick Seattle and San Francisco to win those games. But sure. they're good feeler I, games to see where this team is at and, like, how they can evaluate going forward. That's, yeah, I... I yeah, they're they're gonna get tested early. I mean, they have they have some legit teams coming to Hard Rock this year. They're they're gonna have the Chiefs coming to town. They're gonna have the Seahawks coming to town. Like they they got some good stuff early. Like week two, they play the Bills, and Josh Allen has as much as I criticize him, he's like absolutely destroyed the Dolphins. All four, we've played them four times. All four times he went off. Like it was ridiculous. So like just like making him have a bad game, like Belichick always seems to do. Like. Other coaches around the league always seem to do, but Brian Flores, this supposed defensive genius, I, w- I would like to see Josh out rip us up week two, even though it is just week two. That would be a good test to show me that the defense is going, is progressing in a different direction. I was going to say, too, I love how you guys have week 10 against the Jets, and then you're by, and then you go to New York. I just I just yeah. love that. It's just so weird and unorthodox, but it's just both cool. Team, both team, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have they have they have they have a buy in between two. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of, it's it's almost like a, a series in baseball, <laughs> or, or or like an NBA playoff series. It's just like okay, like we're gonna play this team a lot over the course of the next few weeks, and like you kind of adjust everything around that. It's fun. It's fun. I'm excited for it. The the, the end result is probably that they each go one and one against each other, like more often than not. I'm guessing. Yeah, each game is decided by like a field goal or like a <laughs> critical critical fourth down stoppage with like two minutes to go, like right after the two minute warning. Um, next up is the team that Big Rat not loves to criticize, but is a little hard on. And that is the Buffalo Bills, a team that I have a personal vendetta. I not I don't have a vendetta against the team. I just have a vendetta okay. against the fans. Um, 
The one thing I quickly want to say about this team is how, uh, just because I remember early on in the year how everyone was saying the whole Brady thing about the teams they were going to play and how, oh, they have to play the Chiefs and they have to play this, these guys. The Bills got to play the same teams. Like, week three, they got the Rams coming to town. Then they got a big spot against the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football with them coming into Buffalo. And then the other big spot I see here on the schedule at San Francisco uh, week 13 on Monday Night Football. And then also, too, they got the Steelers week 14 at home Sunday Night Football. Probably the first Sunday night home football game for the uh, Buffalo Bills in God knows how long. But when I see things like that, I'm just like... When people start like saying, oh, hey, they're going to be the better team, they're going to win, I just want to go pump the brakes because I'm a not. i not saying they're going to be bad, but to me, I feel like Buffalo's getting that like overly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, I'm having a brain fart here. They're getting that overhype that Cleveland got in 2019 where everyone's expecting them just to go and run through and win like 12 games when in reality... They're going to get a reality check where they're against one of those teams where they're going to get their asses kicked and everyone's going to realize, hey, this team is not as good as we once thought. I I have been hard on them. I will say, like, I recognize they have a higher ceiling than the Jets and the Dolphins. Like, I, I know that. Like, I know that they have a chance to win double-digit games, whereas those other teams maybe don't. Uh, the, the fun part is just that they have a low floor. Like, that's what it is. Like, they have a low floor. Like, if Allen implodes... The, kind of like the 2018 Jags coming off the conference championship year where Blake Bortles just kind of falls apart. The defense was still good that year. That's what people don't realize. The defense was still very good. Blake Bortles fell apart. They went 5-11. and 11. Like, that could happen. Like, it's just... I, I mean, he's, he's very scattershot that way. It's kind of a reflection of Josh Allen. Like, you don't really know what's going to happen, which kind of represents the whole team. You don't really know, like, whether or not they can go 12-4, whether or not they can go 6-10. They can go and 10. Yeah, and I think the, the, the biggest thing is is the last we saw of Josh Allen, he looked utterly horrible. The man was giving the game away to the Texans, literally giving it to him. And, of course, the Texans were taking like, oh, no, you can have it. And so that game, if I remember, is a hot mess. But, no, it's like I just I can only go back to the last thing that I saw, and I did not see anything to give me any worry about Josh Allen. And, and the Bills. Now they do have. He will have a weapon in Diggs, and since Josh Allen is known for launching it up, I mean that's I guess a plus for him. Maybe I have more of a security blanket there, but I don't think that scares me enough to think the Bills are, are guaranteed. Like and like you said, they are. They do have the highest highest ceiling out of you know the Jets or the Dolphins, but um, I, I, and they have more you know continuity than you even say against the, even the Pats, but. I just, I just don't, I don't trust them. I never trust the Bills. I just don't. I think they're the Bills. They're always going to bill until they don't anymore. You know, it's like I can always fall on that until I get proven wrong. So it's like, you know, I just, I just don't. I don't know. I just don't. Like I said, unless they they adapt and they and they do well and and like you know they looked good early in the season last year. Looking early good early in the season isn't gonna isn't gonna prove anything to me. Let me see what they look like in the second half of the season. Like they because they just always seem to be worse in the second half. To me. Um, I do agree with you. And the other point I just want to make out quickly, I'm looking at their schedule. Another week 11 bye, so that only leaves the three of the four AFC East teams have their bye the same week. The only one who doesn't is the Patriots, who have it very early this year, week six. I just wanted to, before we talk about the Patriots, I just want to point that out, because Patriots usually have a November bye. Um, another example I quickly want to give of teams who get off to a hot start who just falter, like how the uh, Big Rat was referring to the Jaguars, the 28 uh, Jaguars. 
I remember in 2018, week two, they really dominated the Patriots, and everyone thought, okay, this is the same team as last year, AFC Championship game again, and then the wheels fall off. So, like, if they go out there and beat the Jets and the Dolphins and go 2-0 and right away and the Patriots say if they... Cause I, I, if I had to pick right now, I don't think the Patriots are going to win the Week 2 game in Seattle just because even though without fans, that still is a very tough place to play. And Seattle, is, I will concede to the fact that uh, Seattle is a much better team this year than the New England Patriots are. Just defense is a little suspect. Um, you know, they have Adams now. Um, if they go 2-0, and everyone's going to assume right away that the Bills are going to run away with this division. That's why I just wanted... That's why I went on my rant earlier about, like, when they have, like, those big spot games like a Monday Night Football, a Thursday Nighter, and a Sunday Nighter where everyone's going to think, oh, hey, how do they do against this team? What's it going to be like? And they could get their asses kicked. But then also, to I think, to last year when they went into AT&T Stadium Thanksgiving Day and absolutely demolished the Cowboys. So I agree with you guys where it's a low floor, high ceiling. But it's this is a very interesting team because I think I'm going to go one of two ways. Like, I agree with both of your takes. Both of you guys uh, separately. But um, if you had to say like an honest, not just like what the five, five to five and uh, eleven, or the the five and eleven, or the twelve honest. and four. Yeah, like I would have to say, I think their worst case scenario, even though they could go five and eleven, I see their worst case scenario as like seven and nine or eight and eight. Like there's a few games like where. Or they could, for all we know, they could be like last year's Chargers team where they lose like six or seven very close games by a touchdown to like, okay, teams. Like, I'm pretty sure they chart, like, yeah, everyone remembers that about the LA Chargers last year where um, if they, if it weren't for a few games they had lost, that's easily either a playoff team or a bubble playoff team and they don't have a top 10 pick in the draft. So that's the only point I wanted to make. Uh, well, let's see here. Even two of the Bills, like, yeah, then the Rams, then you have to go. Like, they're October. It's tough, but it's only tough because of the travel because they go to Las Vegas, then they go to Nashville, then they go to the New- to New York, which obviously there's no fans this year, but when you got to travel a lot, it it doesn't play out in your favor when you got to travel that much in a very close time frame. Yeah, I... The travel, I think, like, with the NBA playoffs, like, one thing people are talking about, like, why? Because, like, everyone's kind of shooting the lights out. Like, the offensive ratings are through the roof for, like, every team. Um, And one theory posited is that the lack of travel in between games is making an impact. Like, we're underestimating how that can kind of degrade athletes' bodies. You know, the travel, the exhaustion, the fatigue, the lack of sleep, that maybe these people are just more refreshed, and that's why they're shooting so much better. If you apply that to football, even with no fans the harm of traveling to and from, especially, like, that's the thing, like, with the, that we talked earlier about the Jets or the Patriots-Seahawks game or the Jets-49ers game. That's cross-country travel. Like, that's that's not minor travel. I can totally see how that can make a team perform worse on the road, even if, like, there's no yelling from the fans in the stands, sort of, so to speak. Um, one example I want to give to that is two years ago, there was a Thursday night football game, Vikings and Rams in Los Angeles, and I remember the Vikings were pissed because... Usually, you know how teams will travel the day before the game about, let's say, anywhere from like 24 to 30 hours prior to kickoff, or sometimes in the case it's like 24 hours they fly. I remember the Vikings had to leave, like, they played Sunday, played Sunday, had to practice Monday, Tuesday. Actually, not to mention, I just remembered, the Sunday was the game that they got their asses kicked by the Bills, and then they had to practice Monday, practice Tuesday, 
get on a plane, go cross country. Then I remember that game. They got their asses kicked. I remember Mike Zimmer complaining the whole week, basically thinking we're going to lose because of, we're losing all this time because we have to not only travel on a short week, you got to travel to the other side of the country. So travel's a big, big factor in sports. And like, oh, people realize, oh, you get tired. He's a professional athlete. When you got to hop on a plane and then put your body on the line like that for three hours, it's going to affect you. No, yeah, and and what Bigger was saying, like with travel, like with traveling, like even though there's no fans, like there's no preseason season. You've had no travel before you even start the season, and it's like the one benefit, even more this year to a, to a home field advantage is that you got to prepare this week. You didn't have to do anything extra, and it's like who knows what the travel burdens are going to be when you travel and have to like they put you in a like in a sense like a bubble there probably you know because it's like of all COVID and stuff that's going on and, and you don't know maybe they do their requirements different in that stadium than you do and so now you're like well this is how we do it and it just throws your game off and so that's going to be in your head not saying it will affect every game but it could affect certain games for sure and uh, one point I want to make because I want Big Rock to answer upon this but I honestly have heard stories of why Miami can win more games at home than they do on the road is because when a lot of teams get to South Beach they kind of feel like, hey, we're on vacation, we're going to relax a little bit, and then they're like, oh, shit, we got to play a football game tomorrow, and then that's when they kind of, like, lose, because, like, South Beach kind of has that, like, easy-going vibe, like, where players kind of let their guard down for 24 hours. Like, would you not agree with that, Big Rat? Well, well yeah, I mean, and people, they go to bars, too. I mean, like, yeah, that too, that too. The nightlife, uh, we, have, we have a phrase for it down here, it's called the South Beach flu, and yeah. uh, I've, um... I've seen, like, there was one Saturday night, like, a few years ago, uh, like, like back in 20, like, I think it was 2015 or 2016, no, it was 2016, where I was, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, um, like, at this little restaurant that has, like, an outdoor bar and dining area, and I see, like, Jeremy Curley of the 49ers, like, the day before we play them on Sunday in Hard Rock Stadium, and he's, like, ordering drinks and, like, doing all this stuff, like, with his friends, and they went out into the night, and it was just like, yeah, I can imagine stuff like this is pretty common. Uh, and all, it's also it's it's the south it's the South Beach lifestyle, but it's also the heat is the big one, especially in September and October. Uh, teams don't handle the heat. It, it is hot down here, but like people think like, oh, it's hot like how LA is hot. No, it's not. The air down here is way more humid than it is over there, and like it's heavier. It weighs on you. The heat affects you. Like 100 degrees down here is very different than 100 degrees in other parts of the country. And like Brian Flores even said in a presser this week that uh, Byron Jones is not practicing well because he's not adjusted to the South Florida heat. And that's, I mean, we gave him 82 million dollars. You'd hope that he can get over that because <laughs> uh, that, especially, especially like got a, a cornerback like getting exhausted and tired in a September home game. I mean, that's not give up 50. That's a 50. <laughs> like, that's a big problem. Uh, but yeah, the heat, the nightlife, and the heat. Uh, are the two big things. South Beach flu, as it's termed down here. That's the thing I was looking for. That's why I smiled right away as you said the South Beach flu. Um, what was the only thing I was going to say? Uh, quickly, though, if I did have to predict a record for the Bills, I'm going to go 9-7. and seven. Just, I'm going to say 9-7. and seven. I, I, For as much as I'd love to see them go 11-5, and five, and also that's the other thing I wanted to point out, that week two Patriots lost in Jacksonville. I remember it was the same thing. It was like 105 or 110 degrees that day. Like, it was very, very hot, and, like, they got flustered by the heat quickly. So, yeah, that you are right. That is one thing. The Florida humidity is another thing. That's why I love it when the Patriots don't go down there until, like, December. So it's, like, actually somewhat decent. It's not, like, 
it's part of why we have some good luck against the Patriots down here. Like they, like when in December is a different animal, but like when we played them, like the first week of September in 2014, the year that you guys won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, that week one, we beat the Patriots in Miami by a lot. We beat them by like 15. Like, and the South Florida humidity definitely, definitely part of it. I think I remember that game. I think we were up like 20 to 10 at the half, and then like the uh, heat caught up to us in the second half, and then you guys just took over. I think it was like 34 to 20 or something like that. That was the only game no Sean Moreno played for the Dolphins that year. Uh, and he played really, really well, got hurt, and then never came back. No, I like, remember that. It was, it was very Dolphins-like. Oh. Uh, you say 9-7. and seven. I mean, I think, I think their floor is a little bit lower than you get a credit for because I think Allen could implode. But I think more often than not, I'm going to predict they go 7-9 and nine, is my guess. Oh. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to predict that. I'm, I just think... I just think it's very likely Josh Allen is going to struggle. Like, it's just like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm overreacting to that Texans game, but I just think it's. We no, saw, no, so, I'm with you. I don't. No one predicted that Jags team to go 6 and 10. Like, most people had them as like a 12 and 4 kind of team. You know, the Bears last year, another one. Like, maybe not 12 and 4, but people thought that team would be a playoff team again, and they kind of fell back to earth at 8 and 8. I'm just, I don't know. They just, they seem to fit that mold like so cleanly that I'm just going to. I'm not just going to say, oh, like they could falter. We, we all recognize they have a low floor. I'm going to actively predict it. Seven and nine. Seven and nine. And which is funny because <laughs> literally before you said that, I promise, viewers that's, uh, or listeners, that's what I was, I was thinking. I was going to say eight and eight. So <laughs> we're all working literally in a row. He had nine and seven. I didn't know Big Red. I did hear Griffin. I already was leaning towards nine and seven or eight and eight. And I'm actually going to go 8-8. Eight eight. I, I just don't like the – prove me wrong, Bills. And I will come on here and gladly say how wrong I could have been. But uh, but I just think 8-8. Eight eight. I just don't think Jones – I mean, not Jones. Where I get Jones from. I just don't think uh, Allen's the guy. I just – I think he's going to get even more – and another year, he's going to be even more exposed. That's another thing. Maybe some of the success he had was able – because he was able to throw – you know, now that no people know that he wants to throw deep, they can cover that, and, you know, so – and the, the last thing I'll say on this is if they want to go, if they want to be like that 12-4 and four kind of team, like they do have to beat the Patriots once. And that means beating Bill Belichick's defense. And Bill Belichick seems to have, I mean, Allen plays horrible against the Patriots every single time. I just, like, you got to play well against them if you want. No, he's right. I just don't know if I can trust him to do that. So well, Last year he got trucked. Against, I forget the player. I think it may have been Patrick Chung. Week four just demolished him, and that game too. That was that was a sixteen to ten dogfight that almost had Matt Barkley charging down the field. So that that was a little thing. But then there was the game too. That was December twenty first, um, the Saturday night game that the Patriots had the win to win the division when their defense kind of like mattered. And that's the one thing too with the Bills. I know they have this good up and coming defense, but. I want to see them make a big, like, say, for example, if they're in a close game, that week six game against Kansas City, if they're in it late, I want to see the Bills' defense come up with a big play. Like, say if it's, like, 20-17 to 17 for them and Patrick Mahomes yeah. is charging down the field, I want to see their, if their defense can hold up against a good playoff team, especially the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you're probably going to hate this, but last team on the list is... Uh, <laughs> The New England Patriots going for, I don't know how many time of back-to-back-to-back, probably like their 11th or 12th straight AFC East title. Um, Phil, I'm going to let you take this one like I let Big Rat take the uh, 
Dolphins, and we'll go from there and see uh, how we all feel about this team going into 2020. Well, I've been on on the train from day one, okay, about the, this season after last season. I said the hype you can hype the Bills all you want. I go back based off of history. I know players change. Players change every year, okay. If the, if you can't use the player change argument when the past continue to win, okay, it's the organization. It's the organization that's getting it done. I mean, the players have a lot to do with it. I'm not saying that, but I'm gonna stick to the, what I've always said. It's like the Pats. Know, have, know how to win this division. You know, the only time they didn't win was without Brady, true, but they still went 11-5, and, and the Dolphins had a good year that you're not taking anything away from the Dolphins. But, like, it's still a rarity. And so, like, when you got the Bills, who think everybody automatically, it's because they made the playoffs, thinks, oh, well, Brady leaves town. Now we're going to, now this is the time the Bills are going to take over and win the division. Not so fast, because I think, I think there is a lot of unknown, and honest to God, everybody's focused on the offense. I, that's not my biggest worry at all. I'm not worried nearly as much of Newton than I am about the defense without Hightower. Hightower sitting out is huge, is massive for this team. And I can point to the prime example because Brady would probably have seven championships, the Patriots as well, had Hightower been in that Eagles game. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just different. I mean, it's just a, it's just different when he's, when he's on the field. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he is. But even that being said, I still think – I think Cam's got a lot to prove. I like what I've seen so far. I mean, I'm still, you know, I still have my reservations because, I mean, I personally even came on here and said I didn't want Newton if it was up to me. Of course, I didn't think we were going to get him at that steal of a deal, so of course I'm, I'm, I'll take that. But, uh, but Newton's got a lot to prove, and if he doesn't prove it, guess what? We're back with Stenham, and Newton's, you know, career's over. So, I mean, it's just that simple. So, I mean, I think this is – I can't imagine because of the, the type of player Newton is – I can't. I just let I me. Mean, obviously, he gets hurt. He can't really help that. But if he doesn't get hurt, I just can't imagine Newton's not going to be good enough to take this team to the uh, to where it needs to be. Um, and just the, off, the bottom line is this: the offensive weapons aren't as good as they've been in the past. Brady was not going to be the guy, and Big Bear's going to smile from ear to ear when I said this. But Brady's going to. The reason why Brady had to go get weapons is because he had nothing, and he knows he needs weapons now. So, at his age, and he does, he needs weapons to make it happen. I am somewhat still mad that we didn't get him those weapons because he is my, my goat. He will always still be, still, still be the goat to me. But, bottom line is, we gotta have, the offense has to be better because I do think I'm really high on Nikhil Harry this year. I think he's going to be really well, do, do really well. And, and the, like I said, we were talking about earlier, seeing little clips, seeing Newton throw touchdowns to him is, is, is great because I think, that's a key to the offense. Like Edelman can't be the only guy there, and who knows how long, much longer Edelman's going to be there? Because maybe we, you know, we have to go out and get a a, a top receiver, uh, and don't want to pay Edelman. I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, um, I, and I think Edelman's going to be huge if he can stay healthy. But I think Edelman not having to do a lot in the offense would only make it better because this, Newton's can you know spread the field around. And I don't want Newton running all the time, but it still gives that element. You have to guard Newton from running because if you don't. I mean, you're going to give him wide open area to run. He's going to take his 20 yards, go out of bounds, and that's something we would never get with Brady, right? Outside of the one chance, they decide, okay, well, we're going to risk it. We'll let Brady run 15 yards all he wants because it's never happening again. You know, you see one. You know, you'll see one here and there. But like, but with Newton, you can't allow that because he could do it over and over again. And then when you don't, then when you don't attest for it, that's when he's going to get you, and he's going to get you for way worse than Brady ever could. So. I just I think the optimist you know the ceiling is very very high with the Pats. I think I would not be shocked if we won 
12 or 13 games. Do I think we will? I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's, I, you know, it's, I, it just, I just think there's some unknowns there with, like I said, no high tower. How does this defense step up? I think uh, I'm looking at his autograph card that I just picked up not too long ago, but Chase Winovich is going to be a huge, a huge guy in our defense uh, and, and hopefully he can, he can step up. And of course we still have Gilmore. I, I'm not really too worried about the, the secondary as much as I am, you know, just the missing, not having high tower, but I still think we win this division, and, and I think we win it. You know, I think we at least win. You know, I think our low our low is ten. I think ten wins. I don't. I mean, Newton gets hurt, then we talk about that when it happens. But I'm obviously not going to assume Newton's getting hurt. Um, so, but if he does get hurt, then that that'll be something we have to address. But I think I think we easily go uh, ten and six at least, and that win that wins the division, especially based on what the records we've already said. So, do I think I will say this before we go even further? I know we're just talking about the division. I don't see this. This is not. A, this is a team that's going to have to prove to me that they can go to the Super Bowl because I still think it's Chiefs or bust. I don't see anybody else that can beat them right now. Even though I do think the Chiefs will struggle just as much because going back to the Super Bowl is hard to do. The Pats are the only ones, the only ones that have done it recently, and they didn't win it back to back. So, uh, and the same thing with uh, Seattle was the last team to do it. They didn't win it back to back, but they got there. So, so I mean, I think it's tough to do. So, I mean, I think um, they're going to struggle as well. So, I'm not saying that, but I just think. On paper, there's just I don't see a, a reason why the Chiefs would, would would lose. But we see things happen. I mean, so much can happen. So, um, uh, big rat thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm a uh, <laughs> so me, me, me and Phil have talked about this years past, where I always told them the day Brady leaves the Patriots, I will be the biggest Patriots <laughs> fan. <laughs> Like I am very well read on. The, I read their practice reports every day. Like I, I am like a, a fervent Patriots fan. Uh, well, it's also easier because like I don't like the Dolphins. Like you guys know how down I am on the Dolphins this year. So it's like oh my, it goes against the Dolphins. Like well, like I, I'm not. I, I'm kind of not expecting the Dolphins to do a whole lot. I wouldn't mind if they had the worst record in the league because then you could do what the Niners did where, like, a middling team, like, has a bad injury and they become, like, one of the worst teams in the league and they get to add Nick Bosa, like, to what's normally, like, a decently talented team. That's what I would like. You know, if we can just add, like, like a high-level prospect to this team, it's like, oh, well, now, now we're talking for 2021 uh, since I don't think this team can make any noise in the postseason. Uh, but, yeah, Patriots, um, I'm a fan. I will say with Newton, there is kind of a middle ground where, like, that I'm, like, based on the camp reports I've read, seems certainly possible where, what if, like, what if he's just, like, Buffalo Bills-era Tyrod Taylor, where he's mobile and, like, you know, he can, like, throw some checkdowns here and there, but maybe doesn't have the dynamism um, that he had, like, in Carolina, like, with all the deep shots and stuff like that. Because, like, you know, Tyrod Taylor and another one that comes to mind, Alex Smith. I know Alex Smith is a very boring name to hear, but um, Alex Smith was very mobile. Alex Smith ran for, like, 500 yards a year. Like, he was a very mobile quarterback. And someone like Tyrod Taylor, it's not 2015 MVP Cam. It's not Cam last year where he couldn't throw. It's, like, kind of this, like, middle ground where you have, like, a decent quarterback where, hey, I mean, with the quality of your defense, if they can play well without Hightower, maybe that is still, you know, appetizing enough. I, I have higher expectations than that, of course. I'm just saying I think that is that is a kind of middle ground that hasn't really been talked about too much where he can just kind of be like solid, where he's like a good rusher and can like make some good throws in, in the short game here and there, but like maybe doesn't isn't the kind of guy he was five years ago. But I'm a I it's not that I don't it's not that I think Tom Brady isn't one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. It's not that. It's just that the conversa- I do not like the conversation around his legacy, which is kind of along the lines of, 
you know, he never had great receivers or anything like that. Look at all the stuff he overcame to win six Super Bowls. While that is true, that completely not only does it ignore, you know, having the best tight end of all time and the second best receiver of all time for a few years there too, but I think it also just ignores like the organizational benefit of like being the Patriots quarterback, of having Bill Belichick make adjustments, having Bill Belichick like never make stupid decisions late in games. Like John Fox, I've said this story before in old YouTube take shows, like the 2012 Broncos, the year the Ravens won it all, that team should have won the Super Bowl. That was the best team in the league that year, I thought. And they had they faced the Ravens before Joe Flacco threw that Hail Mary to Jacoby Jones that everyone remembers. Right before that, the Broncos had the ball, and it was like third and seven with like a minute left on the clock, and the Ravens had no timeouts. Or and like a, or a minute and 20 seconds left, the Ravens had no timeouts. They could have just thrown it on third and seven with one of the best offenses in the league, gotten a first down, and the game's over. And you see that happen a lot more often these days where it's third down, the other team has no timeouts. You have to decide. Do you just run the ball, drain the clock, give them very little time to make a comeback, or do you take the risk at throwing, which would give them time, but if you make the throw, you end the game. And John Fox played it very conservatively, ran the ball up the middle, they punted with 40 seconds left, and then, you know, Joe Flacco did the Hail Mary, and they ended up losing in overtime. If they had the guts to just throw it on third and seven and get the first down, the game is over because they had no timeouts. You could just take knees. And, like, that's not something that I don't think – like, that's something that I think someone like Belichick, if, especially if he was the coach of that team, if he had that Peyton Manning Broncos offense that was so explosive, like, I think Belichick doesn't make that decision. And something like that might have cost him a Super Bowl ring. Like, something small like that that well, well, gets looked. Yeah, well, one great example of that, I'll say, and I, you know, a lot of people like to t- talk about the opposite side of it, but Belichick – you can make a big argument. Actually, there's a really big argument that Belichick saved that Super Bowl against Seattle because they knew that play already. They did that play in practice. That was a Belichick call to make sure he knew the player he wanted in the play at, this, at the exact same time. And maybe any other scenario, they get that touchdown because no one saw that coming or, or they just run the ball. But because you're going up against Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll knew he had to do something different. Just turns out that Belichick already knew he was going to do it. So, I mean, like, already – already had that figured out because that's how good Belichick is. But that's to your credit, though. I do. I agree. As much as I am 100% pro-Brady, I do think people forget on both sides. Either If you're pro-Belichick, I think you forget how talented Tom Brady is. And I think if you're all the way on Brady, you forget how talented Belichick is. It took both of them to, to build that organization. I, I do agree with that. And, like, and look, I'm not like... I understand there's going to be some idiots in the Boston media that if they go like 12 and 4, like with the clickbaity call, huh, how important really was Tom Brady? Like, all that shit's obviously going to be really stupid. Like, I'm not, no one is saying that. It's just that I do kind of want them to succeed without him, just to show people, yes, he did have a lot of help. Help is not just the name of your wide receivers. Like, help is a lot of things. It's an organization. It's coaching. It's it's a good supporting cast. It's all having continuity. Help comes in many ways. Your boy should have... It is a disgrace. That it is, I mean, looking back at it, obviously I was happy during the, 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 the era, but, you know, because they didn't go that often. But it is a disgrace that a quarterback so good as Peyton Manning got no help from his organization for a long time. <laughs> like that, there's no excuse for that team to not have gone more than two times. Like, I mean, and look, see, that was during Pat's era, but I'm just saying, like, the Payton's a good example of that. And, like, in the last, last, and then before I finish, just like last example for this, like, 
you know, Peyton Manning in the tw- the 2010 Colts, they faced the Jets in the wild card round, and Jim Caldwell was the head coach. And Jim Caldwell, the Jets were organizing a game winning drive to get a field goal, and for whatever reason, in the middle of the drive, Jim Caldwell called a timeout because um, he like wanted to use the timeout to like readjust the defense. But the Jets were in a scramble drill. They were like, hurry, 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 hurry. And he called the timeout, which gave them time to stop, reset, come up with a new play. And the Jets ended up kicking a field goal to knock out the Colts that year before the before the Jets knocked out the Patriots the next week. That's another thing of just like, not not that that team could have won the Super Bowl, but it's just like with, with a better coach who doesn't make that stupid decision in tight in a close game, like maybe they go farther. Maybe they advance further. And that's just, that's that's all I'm saying. Like I, I do like this Pats team. I, I the defense will struggle without Hightower, but I think it, it might be a thing where like they kind of are mediocre to start, but then kind of find their groove over time. Yeah. I like, I really like the young linebackers you guys brought in, uh, not just because I'm a Patriots fan this year, um, but I, I've known Josh Uche for a long time. He went to he went to Christopher Columbus High School, which is actually not just in my hometown, but it's actually a rival high school, the high school I went to. So. I, I was a fan of his at Michigan and everything, and I'm hoping he does well in his role with New England. So, yeah, I think they have the best quarterback in the division. They have the best coach in the division. I think they'll go 10-6. I think it's pretty simple. Um, I want to play one audio clip just because Phil reminded me of the whole with the Malcolm Butler thing, and it involves Brian Flores. Just listen to this. Let me see if let me get this stupid thing low. It's taking a while to load, guys. But basically, it's something right here. Him saying Malcolm Go will always be the greatest Brian Flores soundbite ever when they knew that they wanted to run a three-safety set on that goal line stance there. That's the only thing I wanted to say. It was the greatest play in Super Bowl history. I mean, yeah. I've, I've said that. Like, I, as much as I cry, like, it pains me. Like, I was nearly in tears when I saw it happen, but it was it was quite awesome. So, yeah, yeah, no, props to them. I I don't know, like even, but even if I, I just wanted to finish off with like that Tyrod Taylor comparison I brought up. I bring it up because that could be good enough to be the best quarterback in this division. Like when you're competing with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Fitzpatrick, like even that, while it might be underwhelming as Patriots fans, like I, I still think that's more than good enough. So, yeah. And, and with the element that you were talking about, we were all talking about, you know, your head coach, Belichick's going to make Newton look better, and Josh McDaniels for sure is going to make Newton look better anyway, regardless of how good he is. So I think that that's a good thing. Like, like talent-wise, he may be on, like you're saying, the Tyrod Taylor. Well, I can't say it. Tyrod Taylor's spectrum. But it may look like he's even more, and he's gonna. I mean, if the Pats win, of course, he's gonna be, you know, elevated to to the moon. We all know that. But you know, but yeah, you know, and if he struggles, he's gonna be looked at as you know a bust or whatever. But but yeah. Um, I'm just going to give my quick two cents on the uh, Patriots as a whole. Um, from their schedule, I'm going to say they go 11-5. and five. Uh, That's me. I, think that, I do think, though, there is going to be a few games this year where, say if week two they go to Seattle, and like I said, I already predicted that as a loss, but if they go out there and they lose by like 20, you're going to see the overreactions of, oh, this or that. Like, I honestly, more than week one Sunday, I am more excited for the Monday after week one, when everyone is going to give overreactions about everything. Like, if the Bucks beat the Saints, it's going to be, Bucks are going to the Super Bowl, Brady's doing great in Tampa. Like, But if Brady flounders and doesn't play well in the game and has miscommunication errors, everyone's going to start saying system quarterback is an overreaction. Like, that's, that's just one thing I want to say. But I honestly love Big Rat's Tyrod Taylor comparison because am I expecting 2015 Cam? 
No, would I love to see it? Absolutely. But I just don't think it's realistic. Um, I do believe last year his rotator cuff wasn't fully healed. I do think it is healed now. The toe-foot situation, we'll see where that goes. But I think we have a camp who's ready to work hard, who's impressed Bill Belichick. So I think their ceiling is very, very high when it comes to this New England team. Like, they go out there and play well. Like, honestly, they have a nothing-to-lose mentality. Like, this year, it's not like most years where I expect them to, hey, make some noise or make a Super Bowl run. They end up making a Super Bowl run and shocking me, great. If not, as long as they don't flounder out at the end of the year, that's all I care about because um, they do have a bunch more cross-country trips than they normally do, though, because usually, I think last year, Houston was the furthest west they went. Like, this year, they have to go to Seattle. They play in SoFi Stadium twice, but the thing I love about that is is that one game's on a Sunday and then the next is a Thursday, so they have a short week, so they basically have a full week for themselves out in California. And then, um, but no, and to the most part, it's just, hey, go out there. That's why I say Pandora's box, because look, anything can happen. I think their floor is 7-9. and nine. Like, that's worst case, worst case. Like, Cam goes down with an injury, Jared Sims playing, because we know Jared Sims not has NFL experience because the only NFL play he ever had was a pick six to Jamal Adams. But if Cam's there and Cam's healthy and can, Cam can just be average, this is a team I think that will win a division. And, and and the thing too, the big guy will like this, but a lot of pa- I've heard a lot of I know a past man I work with that's like death to Brady. <laughs> so I mean I don't think he actually I told him he's gonna he's gonna regret those words. And he's like ah he'll I know when he comes back he'll be crying you know for the Hall of Fame. But I'm like the different fan. Like I can't I've tried I've I've had days like I've had a, maybe like a short window of of a day where I'm like screw Brady and then I'm like I can't do it. I just literally can't do it. But I will say to that credit though I will say this. Because I, I even found myself being hesitant of what Brady could do in the Bucks, and now I'm like I've drafted him now in two leagues, so I don't know what what's going on. I really think Brady's gonna have a good year, but looking at it like that, like as a Pats fan, like you know, you're saying of course you want Belichick to do better, you know, and to prove, you know, obviously that you know that it's a little more him than it was Brady. But like to me, like I want the I want the Patriots to do well. Um, I don't want Tom Brady to struggle. I'm not rooting for Tom Brady to struggle. But if you know. I got. I can't lie, but a little bit of me, you know, if Tom Brady starts to struggle, I'm be like, yeah, see, it ain't better than grass ain't greener on the other side, is it, Brady? <laughs> Just a little bit of part of me is it will be happy to say that. But honestly, honestly, God, and I've said this on here, I'm not ill will to Brady at all. You can come out with all the communication. You can make up a story. That's I'm seeing that a lot. They're making up stories between Brady and Brady, Brady and Belichick. Who knows what will ever be real and what's the real story behind that? Maybe we never get it. I don't know, but. None, none, needless to say, Gronk's the only one that can, can kiss my behind. <laughs> Gronk's the only one that can kiss my behind. He's coming back just to bring Chase, which is whatever, you know, but he's coming back to play football only because Brady, you know, you know, gave him that little sweet start calling, hey, you want to play some football and win championships? But uh, I don't expect Gronk to finish the year either, so that's maybe that's a pessimist in me too. But <laughs> Gronk should have been at SummerSlam. He should have, <laughs> exactly. Gronk should have been at SummerSlam, exactly. So. Uh, I want my dream, like, it won't, it won't happen this way for all kinds of reasons, like COVID and all that, but, like, my dream would be, like, I'm in, like, a, I'm in, like, a Boston sports bar with, like, my Cam Newton Patriots jersey, and I, uh, like, the, the, the Patriots, like, win the Super Bowl this year, and I, like, stand on the table to the Boston crowd and be like, hey, who needs Brady, am I right? And everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> you would love it. That would, that would be, like, some... After all the pain I've been through, having to sit through 49, having to sit through 51, having to sit through 53, 
Like, I deserve this. I'm just, like, getting so rebel with that. I'll say this. Like, it's almost a, it's so much, it's so, like, there'll be so many emotions. I don't even know if I could actually come on here and talk about it. If there was Bucks versus uh, versus Patriots in the Super Bowl, I don't even know if I could, I don't know if I could preview that game. I'd just be like, let's just watch it. I don't even know what I could say. Because there's so many different emotions. Like, obviously, I know what you, where you would want. But, like, me, I'm like, I don't want to see Brady fail. I want to see, but I don't want to see my team. Like, I'm good lord. I'm Griff. My I don't know if Griff gives us as much as me, but I've gotten this question at least once a week, at least once a week, probably multiple times a week from new people that have seen me. So, are you a Bucks fan or a Pats fan now? Do you see all this merch in here? It's not. Oh, you can't see it because we're, we're on the thing. But there's. I mean, you guys can see it because we're talking. I'm a Pats fan. Okay, like Brady will always be my quarterback. But I knew this was coming at one point. It was bad. It was gonna happen, even if it ended well. If he's just like, oh, retired after Super Bowl, which is what I wanted. But of course, you don't always get what you want. So I knew. So it ended differently. But no, I'm a Pats fan. It's just it's now a new Pats fan. It's a new way to watch my Patriots, and we'll see what happens. But that Super Bowl would be. I would. There'd be a lot of pregame. I don't know what. I don't. I would be talking like this. I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> like, don't, don't, don't you think? Like I, I think you guys saw like that. That presser where Belichick was just like saying all these insanely nice things about Cam, like he's such a hard worker, like he's like all like using praise and love over him. It almost makes you think, well, if he, uh, he's, if he did this a little more often with Brady, would Brady still be there? No, I think he's doing that on purpose because the like so much. Like I agree with what you're saying, but I'm sorry, that's not the like that's not the Patriot way. Like, like it just isn't, and so it's just it's very Bill Belichick way to do it with the one player knowing like. Everybody thought, oh, Cam's got to come in and, and do his – he won't be able to do his thing. And, and Bill Belichick's, oh, no, Brady's out of town now. We're, he can have, what do you want, Cam Newton? Would you like a nice steak dinner every night? <laughs> I mean, Belichick, trust me, regardless – I don't think it ended badly, but trust me, they both want it bad. They want it bad. Belichick wants it just as bad. I mean, Cam's got it. That's why I love the connection between Cam and Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick is out to prove, even though he's already proved it before technically – but he's out to prove once and for all he, he's better than Brady. And Brady's doing the exact same thing. No way Brady goes to a team that stacked, even though I know the Bucks were, you know, weren't like a shiny pick. But freaking Godwin, now he's got Gronk. Now he's just stacking the house. He's got Mike Evans. He's stacking the house. Brady has no excuse to not, to not succeed. So it's going to be very interesting. It's very, I hate that we don't play this year. Like it's, that's, that would be the biggest game. Next year, though, next year, Brady comes back to Gillette, which would probably be an insanely a expensive ticket. A lot can happen, ticket. though. A lot can happen. A, a lot can happen. We may never get that game. A lot so could happen. You're, you're right. Um, one thing I want to say is, yes, I've been asked people going, oh, uh, are you a Bucks fan yet? Did you buy your Buccaneers jersey yet? And I say, no, I'm a Patriots fan. And they're like, oh, you only root for the Patriots because of Brady. And I flip that and say, no, I became a New England Patriots fan because of Tom Brady. I have been preparing this. I've been preparing this for the last 10 years when people keep asking me, oh, are you still going to be a fan once Brady leaves? And I say yes. I have a rug in my room. I have a, I have a fat head in my room. I have multiple jerseys, even a one, two of them are Brady and Gronkowski, and a Brady Michigan jersey that I bought last year from China. Um, and I still will proudly wear, even though he's not playing this year, I'm going to be proudly wearing my Dante Hightower jersey week one in the game against Miami. Um... Give me, I'm getting me a Gilmore jersey. I'm going to be getting a Gilmore jersey. I may get a... I don't know about a Cam jersey. I may get a shirtsy. A shirt jersey for Cam. Jersey, yeah. 
Because I don't want to invest in a jersey for one year and then he does that. I am probably going to get a Gilmore, though, like you, Phil. Um, That's about my double my boy, my Gamecock and my Patriot. I mean, how can I not? Best of both worlds. Um, no, the one thing I just wanted to add in with the um, Buccaneers quickly, from a fantasy perspective, I honestly see Brady having more success throwing to Godwin than Evans. I think with Evans you're going to see some miscommunications because who knows if Brady's capable of deep bombs at 43. And the only other thing I want to say is, I think Bill Belichick's just a fucking troll at the end of the day. Like, for some of the stuff he does, one thing that comes to mind, and I think both of you will agree with me on this, do you remember last year when Bill Belichick was purposely letting the clock bleed and the Jets kept fucking up and all you look at the sidelines and you see him just smirking like a complete jackass? That game where Darnold, like, they they kicked the Jets' ass 33 nothing. Do you guys not remember that? Like, it was just, just me. Yeah, because that's where, that's, where, that's where people made the irony when Vrabel did what he did in the Titans game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he's – I also think, like, I think he's a good coach because he just knows that, like, different personalities require different coaching. Like, he knows he has to treat Cam differently than he treated Brady. Like, so that also made me – and, you know, I, I'm sure he's, he's aware. Like, he just signed here in June, COVID offseason, a lot of turmoil. Maybe he's like, okay, I need to raise his confidence a little bit. Let me give him the love that I would – not normally give to my traditional quarterback. Yeah. Um, so I think we've talked about enough AFC East. Um, I just want to run through the AFC quickly. Um, I know we all said Kansas City are bust for the Super Bowl, but what realistic expectations do the two of you have for the Baltimore Ravens to make the Super Bowl this year? Do you think it's plausible, or do you think, like last year, it's going to be a Let's wait and see what happens in January because their first two playoff games, honestly, were complete duds. And I know, and I will always say this, Phil called that on one of the very first episodes of this podcast. And that was like eight I months did. ago. I did. I you picked the Titans to win? I picked the Titans to win. And I was one. And the thing is, I was 100% confident. Wow. I was 100% confident. Because, and we've done this in years of YouTube take, like a hot team like that, when they get the bye, it screws them. And they got two buys because they rested players the the last week, and I knew it. I said, this Tennessee team coming off of beating the best dynasty in, like, history is not going to be hyped up for – no, the Ravens are going to get mauled. And, like, I mean, I thought it would be a little closer probably. But, no, and, I, and I'm – and you're asking about this year in the Ravens? I'm completely low on the Ravens, bro. If, look, here's, a, here's a good example. Mahomes, okay, so he, he didn't play his rookie year. Or he played his – like, he didn't play the majority of his rookie year. He played year. only week so, 17. Like, so he played and did did amazing, right? And went to to the AFC Championship game, lost to the Patriots, right? The next year, even though they won last year in the Super Bowl, he was down. If, yeah. if you would, if you, like as far as just him and his stats, he was down. He had a down year, not a down year. I mean, when I mean down year, down year for Mahomes, down for, him. Here, down for him. He was still good. So don't let nobody say, "Oh, he thinks Mahomes is trash." No, I think Mahomes got dropped down because people saw him and they figured him out a little bit more. But he's still a talented and amazing quarterback and. It showed because he made an amazing run to the Super Bowl. But I think that with Lamar, Lamar is going to struggle this year because people are going to already know his tendencies. First time seeing him in a full season, they're going to struggle, and I just don't think the Ravens are going to be a true threat. I'm not saying the Ravens don't make the playoffs or nothing like that, but I would not be shocked to see the Ravens not, you know, they're not. I just don't. I just don't think Lamar is going to be good this year. I see a lot of people drafting him super early in one of my leagues. Literally, someone drafted him second. I think have him. You can take him. I'm not. I don't want to touch Lamar Jackson this year. So I have a similar take, but with a different result. Um, I do think they can win the Super Bowl, but I will say, like, they will win it in a different way. It's not go fourteen and two 
win two home games, go to the Super Bowl. I agree they probably will take a step back in terms of how many touchdowns they score, how many games they win, etc. But just like Mahomes, like, yes, like he doesn't have a good fantasy season. He underperforms a little bit, misses some games. Like, things just don't kind of gel like they did the year before, right? Well, that team won the Super Bowl. Like, like I kind of... I can kind of see it like they, they go 10-6. and six. It's kind of uglier than it was the year before. His numbers aren't as good. They score less touchdowns. But then once they're in the playoffs, they just kind of do well. Like, I think, look, I think last year, like, it had all those reasons. Also, last year, they got stopped on fourth and short three times. And they were, like, the best fourth and short team of all time. Like, part of that is just bad luck. And credit to Tennessee, obviously, for, for beating them in the trenches in those plays. But... The first playoff game especially, like, like Lamar led two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter and had the ball with a chance to win the game against the Chargers until he fumbled. But, like, they came back. They didn't just get their ass kicked. Like, they rallied in the fourth quarter. People forget that, that he, like, ended the game with, like, 250 yards and three touchdowns or something crazy in that first playoff game um, because everyone remembers the first half when the offense really struggled. So I think the numbers will take a step back. I do agree that he won't be as good in fantasy as he was last year, and I do think his ADP in fantasy is too high. But I kind of view it as, like, they can go 10-6 and six and then just kind of in playoffs just, like, win a bunch of ugly games. Like, win a bunch of games where, like, in a very ugly way because their style of play does translate in terms of, like, their defense being so good. And they, this team is unlike any other team we've seen. I know we've made this argument, like, with Kaepernick and RG3 before, but I really think it's different. Like, they just... They're different. Like, there's so many... Like, he's so fast. And he's still young. He's only 23 years old. Like, there's more that he can grow. It's possible he's a better real-life quarterback, but a much worse fantasy quarterback next year because he improves in certain areas. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Their, their offense, their rushing offense is just so hard to stop. Like, I just think it's... Like, they asked Eric Weddle. Like, after they destroyed the Rams on Monday Night Football, they asked Eric Weddle, like, why is this team so good? And he said, well, no one can practice this. Like, no one can practice, no one can have their quarterback simulate Lamar in practice. He's he's so much faster than any other quarterback in the NFL. Like, it's just not the same. And there's so many times where the defense does have the right play call. They do have the linebacker in the right gap to stop him, but Lamar's just too fast, and he outruns him. Like, I do think there is some sustainability to this in the sense of just, like, he, they, they're just so different. They're, they, they're not the same as that 2012 49ers team. Like, their running is even more aggressive than that team's was. Like, I just think, I think it translates well to January football. Just because we haven't seen them win a playoff game yet doesn't mean they never will. And, like, Matt Ryan started his career, like, not winning a playoff game the first four years of his career. And, like, in historic fashion, like, like they, they lost in 2010 as the one seed got blown out by the Packers and Aaron Rodgers at home. So, you know, just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it'll never happen. So I do think it'll be ugly. They'll lose more games. They'll score less touchdowns. I agree with all that. But I do think come January, like, I could see them, like, on the road kind of being frisky in a way like the Titans were last year. Like, their equivalent of Derrick Henry just destroying teams, like them with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and Lamar himself running the ball. I can see it, honestly. I mean, that's a good point. And I think one thing I'll, we'll add to that, I think you did, you, you did amazing on that. Um, Lamar, cut, he is fast, but... He just doesn't have, like, there's still that aspect, and I'm not going to throw it. I mean, he's on the Madden cover, but that's not why I'm, tra- that's why I'm saying this. So just let me cover that. Like, he can't, like, he is someone that, like, if he got hit, like, you got, you're going to have to protect him more this year. Like I said, like, I, that's why I think in fantasy, I think they know that. I think the Ravens know that. So I think they will, 
protect him more. I think they understand that like they need to to he needs to stay in the pocket sometimes more and and and, and things like that. But they're and use his speed at the, like you know in the killer moments when they when they need it the most. But uh, that's why I think in fantasy he'll lose a little bit of uh, luster as well. But but yeah, I mean I, I'm not saying I guess I was I mean I'm not saying that the Ravens are going to be trash this year. I just don't think I just don't think I, think, I just think that they they fall down a little. bit. They're like, not going to help. Like, Ingram's another year older as well, and Ingram, if he can't make it through a season, that's that's going to hurt him as well. Um, also, too, I and I know Big Rad, and I've talked about this before, but I think the loss of Marshall Yonda is going to be noticed quite quickly because I was looking at their schedule. They got after, I know they got Cleveland Week One, but they got Houston and Kansas City back to back right after that. So they're going to get tested early. Um, the only other thing I want to say about this Ravens team, and like we're all right with adversity, because if you look at all the last few Super Bowl champions, um, 2016, I wouldn't say so much for the Patriots, but they lost in November to Seattle, which was kind of like their wake-up call. 2017, you had that Eagles team who uh, had lost Carson Wentz and just lived the underdog mentality. 2018, the Patriots had the Miracle Miami game, and then they had the game against Pittsburgh that they uh, played like shit against. And then last year with Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes out for a good chunk of the year, and then he came back, and when it was the right time in December, he remembered, not remembered how to play football, but he, they kind of got back in a form, and they were scary. So I think always in, in the NFL lately, you know what? Not because, just if you have 14-2, doesn't mean you know you're going to go to the Super Bowl. It's a team who has to, it's not, I'm going to quote Sylvester Stallone, it's not about how hard you can get hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and get back up. That's if that's not the epitome of what the Chiefs were. I mean, they got hit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were down in every game. So I mean, that's that is a good. And then Tyree kill well, out I, for a good portion of the year too. I do have a question. Yeah. To transition to another team, Bigger, I'm just interested. To, I don't know if I've heard you uh, talk about them yet. Maybe you have. Guys have talked about them, but I haven't heard you. But what are your thoughts on the Titans this year? Do you think they keep that momentum, or do you think they fall back? I know you're high on your boy Ryan Tannehill, of course. But. I think I think Tannehill's success is. I think I said this with Griff once before. I don't think his success is fake. I do genuinely think like he's he's really good, and the national media has underrated him for years because this incompetent Dolphins team did not build a good offensive line. They did not give him good receivers. They did not have good play calling. That's the other thing that no one says. The play calling was really bad. He was set up to fail, and even with all those horrible circumstances, he still put up solid numbers. So I do think he's actually a good quarterback. Um, but I think they take a step back. Because his efficiency last year was like Joe Montana. And like, well, I think he's good. I mean, he's not Joe Montana. So that should come back a little bit. I also think, I, I said this with Grip before, I'm not sure Arthur Smith is as good as people think he is. Like, people view him as like this genius offensive coordinator that changed the Titans offense. There's a lot of Titans beat writers that if you look at the schematics, there's a lot of plays where no one was open. And Tannehill had to, had to just, like, make a tight window throw or, like, run with his legs. Or, like, you know, like, Derrick Henry was just demolishing teams. It's not like they were super creative schematically or anything like that. So I, I can see that offense taking a step back because I think people view him like this offensive mastermind that I don't think is quite deserved. And it's also based on a really small sample. Only, like, half yeah. And I think that the thing you're talking about, too, is, like, I think – not we're not I'm not discrediting the Titans team as a whole, but Henry was a huge part. Like I really I wanted to see it. I wanted to see the Titans go to the Super Bowl just because of how special Henry's run. Like not taking anything away from the entire team because Tannehill did what he needed to do and didn't make mistakes. Right? You can say yeah. the same thing on the other side. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo literally did until the Super Bowl. So I mean, you could say that Ryan Hill, Tannehill was just as good, if not better. So I think 
But I think Henry was like was just so special. But if you look at that, as much as not not in the Ravens game and uh, clearly you know, in the end in the Kansas City, but in the New England game, we were three we were within three points the entire game. Our offense was just that bad. Like <laughs> it literally couldn't even get in the field of range to to take the lead. So it's like we were within that that window for the entire game. So I think that's you can't have that with most teams, which they proved. Obviously, they were able to beat the Ravens, but they couldn't do that with Kansas City. They had the lead, the same kind of lead they had against us, but Kansas City had the offense to where all right, eventually we're going to come at you, and that's what happened. And so I think that's the thing that I'm struggling with to see where I think the Titans will be next year because I think Henry's still a beast, but at the same time, if you if Tannehill has to almost keep that up in order because like. That's the thing. Like when Henry was, when Henry was did his thing, and then all of a sudden, well, now you need Tannehill to make a throw. Whether it was Tannehill or the offensive play calling or whatever, like him and Brown was was doing pretty good in the season, but you never really saw them in the in the in the playoffs. You didn't really see things, you know. So it's like, you know, outside, I think uh, a little bit in the past game, you know, Tannehill uh, made a couple good throws there, but um, from my memory right now. But like, yeah. So I'm just, I was just intrigued to see what you thought about the Titans because I'm not sure. I'm honestly, if I'm being honest, I don't know. I, like, I think. I think the obvious thing would be, yeah, take a step back because you just, you just don't think. But um, I don't know. I, lo- I would love to see them keep doing good because Mike Rabel is my boy. That's that, I mean, you talk about Patriots fan or not, that's that was one of my favorite Patriots of all time. So, yeah, like it hurt me that we lost, but to see that guy succeed was like, okay, at least the, if our loss had to come at, at the expense of that um, because I, I w- I'd love for them to do to keep doing better. Um, I just – I don't know. Like I said, I, I think what Big Red made some great points, and I think that uh, – it's just going to be hard in the league, especially with a league that's going towards, I mean, even though whether Cam's on his top level or not, you have Cam, you have Lamar Jackson, and you have Mahomes. It just seems like where it's going. you got Russell Wilson on the other side. You know, it's like you just, you just see where it's kind of going, and it's going to be kind of difficult to, to, to run a different. But it'd be good to see as, as well because you need diversity. So we'll see. Um, I agree with, um, Big Rat, yes, he has said the stuff about Ryan Tannehill before on the podcast. I think both episodes that he was on back in June and July. Um, I think that the Titans are still going to be that team like last year where, you know what, they're like that 9 and 7, 8 and 8, knocking on the door kind of thing. Either they're the 7th wild card, 6th or 7th wild card team, or they're just on the outside looking in. Um, that's only because, and I have said this before, I have a completely different team winning the AFC South this year. I think the Indianapolis Colts win the division. I also can make a strong case for... I think there's an outside shot the Indianapolis Colts could potentially make the Super Bowl this year. Like, they go in and they shock some people. I only say this because, look, they have a great defense that they added DeForest Buckner to. Like, they just got him for basically a first-round pick. I don't know what the full details of the deal are, but they got him. Um... Phillip Rivers pretty much is in a now or never year. Like, he is determined to get that ring. They added Jonathan Taylor, who was a stud at Wisconsin at running back. You got Paris Campbell. You got um, T.Y. Hilton, a receiver. You got one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, so that's just only my take about it. I only say that, too, because I think, uh, for all intents and purposes, I think Jacksonville is going to be terrible this year. Do I think they tank? No. Do I think that they're going to be bad and Doug Marone potentially loses his job or probably loses his job? Yes, and then you all know my thoughts on the Houston Texans. I've gone off about them a bunch. I still think them trading away DeAndre Hopkins is one of the stupidest things ever. Their secondary still doesn't impress me. And two, they have their probably the most injury-prone wide receiver core in the NFL with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, who Cooks, has, we all know, has his concussion issues, and Will Fuller can either make or break a fantasy. Like one week he'll have 35 points, 
And then the next week he has two points and he goes out with a shoulder injury for two weeks. That's my opinion on the AFC South. You know what, you know what, Griff, about them Texans? That would not shock me if they were trash this year. I have, I, it, talk, make another fancy reference, I have stayed clear. I actually took Brady over uh, Watson in one of my leagues because I don't want to touch Watson this year. Like, I just do not trust that Houston team at all. You take away his one, like, stud receiver, it's going to just, I just think it's going to trickle down. I just, and I don't know what the hell Bill and Brian's doing right now, to be completely honest. So, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. Maybe they prove me wrong, but I, I just, I mean, and you make some good points about the Colts. I haven't really looked that much into the Colts, so I don't, outside of Rivers and stuff, so I don't know if I agree with you on that part, but I would not be shocked if I saw the Colts finish second in this division. I will say that. Um, uh, the, I, oh, the, only I, thing, the only thing, too, I want to say about the Houston Texans quickly is that for some reason, do they think we're going to get 2016-2017 David Johnson back? For some reason. I don't know why, but like I said, Houston proved me wrong. Big Rat? Yeah, I... I, I think that I think that um, the Colts, the they're really well coached. Is the thing like I, I do like give Frank Reich a little bit more credit than I think most other people do. So that's why I would like say very nice things about them. But um, I also think that the the Colts, their defense is underrated. Like it's just a like they they played better towards the end of last year. The way Darius Leonard was playing, like it was a really really good defense towards the end. That I do think that Philip Rivers, even if physically, like he doesn't have the same things that he used to have, just mentally, like he's gonna know when to check out a place, he's gonna know when the first read is. And I saw a Colts writer say that in a Frank Reich offense, the it's very QB friendly. Like the first read is almost always open. For someone like Philip Rivers, who will know where to go with the ball and who has like arm strength concerns, I think that can really mitigate his flaws. So yeah, I'm I'm or with Griff on this one. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be a Super Bowl threat, but I, I, I can totally see them winning that division. It wouldn't it wouldn't be that surprising. They probably have the best coach. They don't have the best quarterback, but they have the best coach, and they might have the best balanced team. So, yeah, that's all it would take. And also, to just to my point, I'm not saying they're going to go out there and they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, like, look, if I had to have a dark horse pick that wasn't Kansas City, Houston, uh, Kansas City, Baltimore, or because of bias reasons, New England, make it to the Super Bowl, I'll take the Colts. Um the only other team I want to say that if healthy this year, they can make some noise is Pittsburgh. I've gone on record by saying that before. If Ben is back and Ben is healthy with that defense, and also, too, we'll see how James Conner, uh, Deontay Johnson, we'll see how Juju, um, shout out Canada, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, and to, uh, they got Eric Ebron. I know with the Colts, he didn't have the most miraculous career, but in a guy like that with a bounce, bounce back season, and also, too, that's the other thing, too. The um, Mike Tomlin's a very good coach in the NFL who has a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, and he's people. People are kind of forgetting like how good that core was before this past year. So, yeah, if, if he's healthy, like absolutely. Uh, don't don't get me started on Mike Tomlin being the most overrated coach in football, but we, we don't have no time for that. <laughs> <laughs> and quickly with the wet, and uh, I, I just want to quickly. Oh, credit for last year, though. You got to give him credit for last year. Oh, just, oh no, I have. Yeah, I have given him credit for last year. I will say that he he pulled he pulled way more than he should have ever. And I do, as I'm saying that, I do expect the Steelers to be a lot better this year. I just think Mike Tomlin is it. That people like to hail him as one of the best in the league, and I, to me, he, he's way more of a players' coach and hasn't done any doesn't hasn't done nearly as much as he should have. Well, 
that's just because you guys are Patriots fans. I know you're not saying this, Griff, but like you guys as Patriots fans have this problem where Bill Belichick always destroys Mike Tomlin. So you see this routinely, and it makes you guys, oh, why is this guy so good? Like they keep losing by 20 points or whatever every time they play. But he's done good things outside of those they matches. Beat us, they beat us the last time they played us. No, no um, last time we played them was week one of last year. I remember going into it thinking, hey, this is going to be a pretty close competitive game because like we had the last two week 15 games that were really close, including that Jesse James, that was a drop uh, week 15, which I, think I'm I, of I even, pardon me? I, I was trying to think of what Celos game I'm thinking of, but. You're thinking of 2018. The one I'm thinking of is 2018. You probably remember that one, Big Red. Um, it was in the prime slot for CBS, and I remember Jesse James had it, then the play got reversed, and I think it was actually Eric Rowe or Deron Harmon, one of the two, who got an interception on like one of the next two plays, and then the Patriots won the game. I was expecting that. So for when the Patriots beat them 33-3, to part of me was like, and midway through the third quarter, I'm like, okay, who is this Pittsburgh team right now? Because they weren't looking good. But like, that's why this year, too, I just think, like, hey, if they stay healthy... I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, and also, too, with Mike Tomlin, I don't, I'm not saying, like, oh, he's this, like, overrated coach. I'm not saying either, well, he's a great coach. He's, he's a good coach. He's got a Super Bowl ring for a reason. He's, and also, too, that's the other thing as well. Pittsburgh is probably one of the best-run organizations in the NFL, considering they've gone through, I think, three or four coaches within the last 50 years with Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, and now Mike Tomlin. All of them retiring after they won Super Bowl. So, that's only one thing I got to say. Which shout out to the Rooney family, and let's not forget they have one of the best defensive players in the league in uh, T.J. Watt. So I'm not saying, like I said before, I'm not saying Pittsburgh's going to be there, but I think at worst case scenario, Pittsburgh's a wild card team this year. I do think I do think they're a lot better this year. I will say that. Um, I'm just not high on Tomlin. I'm sorry, just not high on him at all. I don't. I think he gets overhyped. I think he inherited Cowher's team, and and it's just been downhill ever since. <laughs> but that's just me. Even though last year, I will say, Big Red did call. I'm glad he called me out on that because I do agree. I do think they he pulled out uh, a rabbit out of the hat last year, doing a lot better than they 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 could have been a lot worse. Exactly, considering they had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Um, I want to talk about the AFC uh, West very quickly, just because we honestly have been talking for quite a while now. But because we all know Kansas City's going to win the division more than likely, unless Patrick Mahomes for some reason. Probably couldn't hear that, but I was knocking on wood gets hurt because honestly, that's the one thing I want to mention quickly is this year with no preseason, I have a really bad feeling you're going to see someone have a, like a torn ACL or like you're going to see it happen more than once week one. I just have a bad feeling. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't wish for any player to get hurt, no matter how much I like or how much I dislike them. You don't wish you don't wish ill will on another player, especially in the NFL. I just think too like how you see like for example how Elman tore his ACL in that game against Detroit uh, in a preseason game two years ago, Phil. Um, but I will say this, the NFC West is just intriguing because I have a feeling I, um, the teams in there could either make some noise or be completely garbage. I think there's like a very, the ceiling's not high, but the floor is very low for them. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I actually think the Raiders, I mean, even though the Raiders just lost uh, Tyra Williams, but my boy Brian Edwards going to get a step up because of that. Um, and my boy Hunter Renfro. I actually like the. I think the Raiders makes a little bit of noise. Not a lot of noise, but I think that I think the Raiders could do if they can finally get it all together. I think they could be very good this year. I say I, very. Yeah. I think the Raiders, uh, and I, this is going to sound bad, but I think they profile most to last year's 
Titans. And look, not saying they're going to make the AFC title game. And remember also, last year, if you would have said the Titans are going to make the AFC title game, most people would have laughed at you. They would have laughed at you. That's true. So here's why I say it, because they're, they're I think they're well coached. I know Gruden has become like a this meme like on, on the NFL Twitter and all that, but I think he's a good coach. I think they've done a good job. They get better every year. The defense is going to be a lot better. They completely changed their linebacker core. They brought in Nick Kwiatkowski from the Bears. They got Corey Littleton from the Rams. They got they just got Raekwon McMillan from my Dolphins. And I can tell you guys, McMillan, not good in coverage, but one of the best run-defending linebackers in the NFL. Like, he will help. He will make an impact. So they get Jonathan Abram back in the secondary. They drafted Damon Arnett. Like, their D-line with Crosby, Max Crosby had a really good year last year. Cleveland Farrell, not so much, but he was a top-five pick. You do think he could improve and grow and give you more production there. Like, their defense, I'm not saying it's going to be good, but it could be average this year. And their offense, very quietly last year, was like top 15 on the season. Like, it wasn't flashy. It was won through a lot of run run game, check down screens from Carr. Like, I'm not a big Carr fan because he doesn't, he doesn't really make big throws down the field. He always seems to get scared and take the easy options in the short game. Uh, but they do have they do have the same quarterback situation that the Titans did last year. And I know it's like the lazy comparison, but I think there's something to it. They did not just give Mariota like a one-year contract. They gave him like his contract. He's the highest paid back quarterback in the NFL. And his contract has escalators that could pay him up to $40 million. They, they didn't put that in. That's not common. That's not like, a, hey, if you have to start 16 games for us, we'll make sure you get paid. Other teams don't do that. You do that if you think maybe there's a chance he comes in. I'm not. I'm of the opinion that Mariota, while maybe not a difference maker, is a little bit better than he's given credit for. I think those Mike Malarkey, especially the 2017 Mike Malarkey Titans team, I think that was very poorly a very poorly designed offense. It was very slow. The receivers couldn't get separation before AJ. Remember. Mariota never really got to play with A.J. Brown in his prime. He only had that for like four games. Before that, they were relying on Corey Davis as their number one receiver, which is not a bit for him. So I think he was often blamed for a lot of the Titans' problems uh, that I don't think were all his fault because we've seen him have great games. He kicked the Patriots' ass in 2018, like destroyed them like in Tennessee. It was, it was ridiculous. That Patriots team that won the Super Bowl, Mariota destroyed them. Like I just – I, I – I just think kind of – I don't think he's as good as Tannehill, but I do think like Tannehill, he gets too much blame for mistakes his organization made. Guys, Mike Malarkey got them to the second round of the playoffs and got fired. You never see that. That's how bad That's how bad the GM must think of him. For the GM to be, yeah, you, you want a playoff game, but if you don't make changes, we're going to fire you. Like, that, like, that's ridiculous. So I just think that – I think that he deserves – he deserves some credit. Um, I think – Derek Carr, it's not that he'd start week one, but it could be a thing like the Raiders start slow and they start two and four or something like that. And then they just make a switch because why not? And, you know, they have the quarterback parallel that the Titans do. They did get improvements on defense. They do have a lot of continuity. And like the Titans, Titans bring in A.J. Brown, right? As a rookie, made a big impact on their offense. They bring in Henry Ruggs and now Brian Edwards, who I think is going to start now that Tyrell Williams is on IR. So, like, I just think... There's a lot of parallels there, and yeah, yeah. They, they also have a really good O-line like the Titans did. Like, again, I'm not saying it will happen. I'll just get the tight end. Don't forget Darren Waller. They're and Jason Witten. Last year. And, and Jason yeah. Witten, even though he's like 55. 
He's like, on the Raiders? Yeah. 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 He's, 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 he's the locker room presence and all that stuff. But, but yeah, I think I think he's I think he's better than people. They just as you can see, there's similarities. There's similarities with them that there were with the Titans. That doesn't mean it'll end up the same way, but they have kind of all the pieces. They have like the running back that they want to grind into the ground. They have the rookie receivers making a big impact. They have the new faces on defense that can turn the defense around. They have a good coach. They have a quarterback who is much maligned for most of his career that might, in a second chance in a new environment, might have a chance to really blossom. So I just think all the pieces fit. Even though you're saying that, I do. I, I like Derek Carr. I think he has. Der- I think Derek Carr has a good year. I, I, I think Derek Carr proves this. Well, this is the year. Either he proves he's good or he doesn't. He gets benched. And Mariota, Mar- Mariota will, will play, and then they'll end up probably drafting somebody. But I, I don't know. I think Derek Carr. I think Der- Derek Carr can get it done. Um, I do agree, though, with Phil. I do think though, if Derek Carr doesn't get it done this year, I don't think he is in a Raiders uniform come twenty twenty one. But at the same time, too, Mike Mayock's done a very good job as GM. I'm not. I'm not criticizing the Raiders when I say like their ceiling's not very high, but the floor is really low. I also do. I do like the Nick. Uh, what? Fuck, I can't say his last name. From the Bears, the linebacker. What was it? I think it's Nick Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. I love that addition because I, I think that's going to be a loss for the Bears. I really yes. like that that addition. Corey Littleton, uh, Max Crosby, too, who came out of nowhere last year. is one of the best rookie defensive yeah. defensive linemen in the league. He had 10 sacks. Yeah. He was, he was active. The Raiders, you know what? Like I know you guys don't watch a lot of hockey, but they're kind of like the Golden Knights that first year where it's just like they're a band of misfits. Like they got, And it's a similar thing, too, where it's like the uh, Jets – Hey, they got nothing to lose. Like, and if they can go, like I think last year their record was like six and ten. Um, the only two quick things I'm going to say off topic is, I think the Broncos are going to see some growing pains this year, and the Chargers, who really knows what's going to go on there, even though they unfortunately lost Derwin James. Um, but the Raiders, I think, have potential to be, like I said, they. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think they disrupt. They be that disruptive team in December that costs the team, like costs the team some playoffs, like. I remember, and Big Rat's going to hate me for this, but I remember an example of a few years ago when the Patriots lost to the Dolphins in Miami, went to Buffalo in a must-win game, and lost like 21 to nothing. I think like that that is, like, when you have a team in that must-win situation and playing, I don't know what the Raiders' schedule is, but I have a feeling they're going to have that, a similar situation like that where a team goes to Vegas or Vegas, or they go somewhere else, and then the Raiders win that game when a team has to win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where, where you... Someone else makes him blunt. Someone else screws up, and it creates an opening for for some for another. Yeah. Exactly. Um, quickly before we go, because like I said, we're coming up on two hours actually, um, and I probably have to get off soon because I imagine most people in my house are going to sleep. Um, do you guys agree with the Raiders? Not the Raiders. The uh, Broncos and the Chargers takes where it's kind of like Chargers. Like I think I think Broncos like they have potential. I just think like I said, I think they'll be growing pains with Locke, but him and Shermer is an interesting combo. I'm a fan. They're they're also kind of a wide range team, though. Uh, like they could be really good. They could be bad. Like we only saw Locke play for five games. Like we don't. Geno Smith had a good five game stretch in his career. Like we see quarterbacks have good five game stretches, and then like Jacoby Brissett, I believe after week five last year, led the NFL in touchdown passes. I think so. And, yeah. And then look how that ended up. They beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead and everything. Like you would think, oh, this is a Super Bowl team. It's just. So I just think the sample's really small, but I do think they, they can do really, really well. Not deny that. Yeah. And um, the other thing I want to say, too, is about that stupid Chiefs-Colts game is that cost me my survival pool. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, you picked uh, the Chiefs that week? Yeah, I picked the Chiefs. 
I, I picked two years ago, I picked the, the pack, the Packers. I had been saving them all year because I thought at in Lambeau field, they would be such money. Oh, the I Cardinals game. The Cardinals game that Mike McCarthy got fired where they were like 17 point favorites. I saved them. And I, I, I circled that game like four weeks in advance. I was like, that's when I'm picking green Bay. And they lost, and yeah, it was uh, terrible. So do, you, so do you do you think when it comes to the Chargers, do you think that Tyrod starts? Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously he's start. I think he's going to start. But do you think he starts only a couple of games and they bring in Herbert, or you just think they kind of ride Tyrod I, and bring in Herbert once the season's kind of done? Well, this I I don't think that for a quarterback change to happen, you need to lose. Like even if a quarterback's playing bad, if a team's seven and one, they don't make a change. Right. So. I, I that Derwin James injury is really awful. Like I, I followed Der, Derwin James went to FSU I, as a Canes fan. I followed his career for a long time. Like he's a super stud. It's a real shame that he's gotten hurt major injuries two years in a row. But I still think that Chargers defense has a chance to be a top five defense in the league. They just have a lot of talent. So if they have, remember they got Chris Harris in the offseason. They already had Casey Hayward, like with Ingram and Bosa and Denzel Perryman from the U. Like well, they, Ingram. They, they got a lot of really good players. So it could be kind of a thing where, like, they're a really good defense and kind of like a mediocre offense, kind of like Alex Smith-era Chiefs, you know, like the 2016 Chiefs that, like, were, like, solid offensively but oh. great defensively. Like, and if they're like that, if they're like that and they're 5-3 and three by midseason, I don't think they're going to make a change. So I, I think I think Tyron could be in there for a little while, to be honest. Um, they also added in Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma in the draft and also Linval Joseph. They also did make some good adjustments to their offensive line with like Brian Balaga, Trey Turner from Carolina. I'm just looking at their depth chart yeah. right here. The only and also too, uh, just looking at it here. The other big thing too is I gotta wonder what kind of year uh, Austin Eckler is gonna have now that he's the main workhorse in uh, LA. Um, one of the points too I wanna make quickly about the AFC before we go is um, I think too Baltimore also will struggle with the fact because remember last year that three headed monster at tight end. I think Mark Andrews is gonna have a good year, but. They lost Phil's boy to Atlanta, Hayden Hurst. Yeah, they lost my boy that I'm super high on. Come on, Matt Ryan. I need you to throw to Hayden Hurst yeah. all the time. I'm two for two in drafts right now with him. And I'm huge on Hayden Hurst this year. But, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you just they need a trade. I mean, they were using Andrews. And, I mean, they didn't need all three of them. But, um, and Boyle. I think Hurst has a big year in Atlanta. I, and and that, not to keep we – we could go on and on and on about this, but I, I'll watch the NFC South, man. Atlanta, I don't know. It seems like Atlanta's always good when no one expects them to be good. When everyone expects them to be good, they're trash. <laughs> so I could just see Atlanta just being like, oh, y'all were worried about the Bucks and the, and the New Orleans? We're over here. You know, it's like, I don't think they win the division or nothing like that, but I think they could make some noise. And they, they, they drafted two offensive linemen in the first round last year in uh, Chris Lindstrom and uh, Caleb McGarry. And one of them didn't play, the other played and didn't play well. Like, if they just, like, become first-round quality offensive linemen, I mean, their biggest problem is pass protection. Like, if they can become first-round quality offensive linemen, you know, then you're, you're cooking with something there. That's that's pretty interesting. Exactly. And the only other thing I want to say quickly, too, is, is I think Cincinnati has a year where they're in the top five of the draft again, and I think Cleveland is kind of in that Denver and L.A. situation where they could either surprise some people or they could suck again, like last year. Cleveland? I think, yeah. Yeah, Cleveland. I, was gonna say, I do think I think you're right. I don't think Cincinnati has the overall team to do good. 
But I do think Burroughs Burrows is, Burrows and Higgins are gonna are gonna make some noise this year. I, I mean, I think offensively, I don't think the team in 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 a whole, but I think Burroughs is gonna look good. I think he really is. I think he's gonna look like how Kyler Murray looked last year, where you know what he has some flashes. I told of, people, even as a Gamecock fan, like Higgins is possibly the best receiver coming out of that draft. I will still stand by that. Yeah, really. Yeah, he's a stud. I, 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 he, uh, he just had a really bad uh, championship game, and people are starting to like forget about him. But I think Higgins with Burroughs could be huge. For Cincinnati. Yeah. Very big uh, building piece, let's put it that way. Exactly. But anyway, guys, uh, we've been here. We've taken up way too much of your time today. But you know what? It was a preview show for a reason. Fellas, I can't thank you enough. You Both of you guys are going to be on multiple times throughout the season to talk. Because what, what, just to let you guys know right now, my plan for the season is I'm always going to, and for all you listeners, I'm going to record twice a week. I want to do one week where we go in-depth with recaps and then do the next week of preview. So that starts next. So next week... Two episodes start where I'm going to have the NFC prediction show, which I'm going to get a couple people from who are NFC fans, like how we all are AFC. I'm going to get some NFC people in here. Let's talk about that division. And then after that, week one through week 17, it's always going to be a results show. It's always going to be a preview show. And like I say, we're so close we can taste it. Bellish. Also, beat away. That's insane. That's insane. Good, good, good luck. Good luck in week one. I, as a fellow Patriots fan now... Uh, <laughs> I probably won't be that game in particular, but um, <laughs> all the other games, <laughs> sure. Week 1 and Week 15, we're enemies. Besides that, we're the best of friends. <laughs> well, follow right. Thank you very much for coming on, guys. Uh, that's it for Episode 22, guys. We'll see you next week with the NFC Preview Show. Good night, and stay safe. Keep wearing your masks and keep social distancing. Good night for now. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.